you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. The Around the NFL podcast is jealous of the way Mark looks at Dan. (laughs) Well, one person is in between us. From the Chris Wessling podcast studio, it's Around the NFL. I'm Dan Hansis with Greg Rosenthal, that man who looks at the way Mark and I look at each other. Mark Sessler. And he goes, (sighs) (laughs) That is not true. I'm loving how we're all looking at each other. You know, we're coming off uh, the team of ATL delivering. You doubt the NFL for one second after a snoozy afternoon slate. And here it comes. Sell it. With a season finale for the ages. 272 games now in the books. And the playoffs are set, Mark Sessler. You know, Greg, when I do look at Dan that way, and you're here on the table in between us, it's just a, a nice Greg sandwich in a way. We're just both giving you our... That warmth. Yeah. You're not excluded from it. Well, the bread is always my favorite part. Yeah. yeah. Back to the games. You are the meat. Um, <laughs> 272 in the books. The playoffs are set. Ten regular seasons in the books. Ten regular seasons. For us. In yeah. the books. Here is the playoff schedule. Let's start there. Yeah. Okay. The West of this game. The traditional early Saturday ball game. 4.30 p.m. Eastern. That's later. West of us used to be earlier. Seattle Seahawks, seven seed at San Francisco, two seed on Fox. Saturday night, Chargers, five seed at Jags, four seed. AFC uh, window, that's NBC, Peacock. Sunday, we have number seven, Miami at number two, Buffalo at 1 p.m. Eastern. Feels like a 1 p.m. On CBS. At 4.30 p.m. Eastern, the NFC matchup between the Giants and Vikings, a 6-3 matchup on Fox. Then a final Sunday game, uh, Baltimore 6-seed at Cincinnati, 3-seed rematch of Week 18. And then, yes, new as of last season, a Monday night playoff game, 8-15 Eastern. Dallas Cowboys, the 5-seed at Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the 4-seed. There you go. That's the first round of the playoffs. We're going to get to all the games, but that is what we got coming up next week. Here we go. I mean, the least surprising development on our entire planet is that they put the Dallas Cowboys against Tom Brady as the Monday night Mm. affair, right? I think, I don't know. Actually, last year, that wasn't like the primetime slot, you know, because it's ESPN and everything. I think they um, had some bad games there. They, they of course, uh, had a game cut short last Monday night, so that's like almost a, a make good and uh, it's a fu- it's a fun little slate, Mark. Sometimes you gotta with your corporate partners, you gotta make sure the relationship stays strong. So you give them America's team before they yeah, eliminate themselves. That's not my role. I think yes. they're all sweating because they're like, "Ooh, how can we tap uh, what the old uh, Lions and Packers did on on NBC? We need the Lions in this wild card. I that's know, the only that, thing missing." That, that Greg, is... Greg, you spent all day long telling Dan and I, and all week and yes. weeks now, long telling us that it didn't matter. That I the didn't Lions say that. Playing. I said it could be great theater, <laughs> with, whether they are there or not. What, no, that, well, that's what 
whether they can make the playoffs or not. Let's set the table here. We're going to get through all the games from Sunday. We're going to start with the NFC uh, and that Sunday night game, but also uh, keep in mind we're going to hit the AFC later, including obviously the first game for the Buffalo Bills um, since DeMar Hamlin's um, issue on Monday night and what a dramatic scene that was. So a lot of good football to talk about. Uh, including keeping our eye on what's going on with the league as Black Monday, New Horizons Monday fast approaches. But let us start. Yes, Sunday Night Football, the final game of the regular season. There it is. New Horizons. That's called massaging. It's a softer, gentler approach to 18 teams facing New Horizons. The seasons are over. We start at Lambeau Field, where the Green Bay Packers were one win away from an improbable uh, playoff appearance when they looked down and out. The Detroit Lions, the team of around the NFL, found out earlier their season was ending no matter what after the Seattle Seahawks uh, were victorious over the Rams, and yet we still got a great ball game. So here we go. The Lions can end this ball game right here. Fourth and one from the Green Bay 15. Goff takes the snap, back, looks, throws, caught, first down, Detroit Lions, DJ Chark down inside the 10-yard line. This game is over. It is over. (laughs) Execute a couple of snaps, and these Lions are going home with a victory. How big has this football team been tonight? You want to change the conversation, win some games, and that's exactly what they've done. Hit it, Graver! One last time, baby. Who will be the team? Team. The team. Team. The team. Only one team. Learn the right. Now's the time to shine Here we go, Mark. Team. This is a very special honor. Oh, it's the last time we'll hear that theme. But man, the Lions go out in a beautiful way. A 20 to 16 win over the Green Bay Packers. The Detroit Lions, who were once one and six and roadkill in the NFC, finished nine and eight. Woo. And eliminate the hated Green Bay Packers in their building. How many big games have the Packers lost in their building? 312. In the Aaron Rodgers era. It's usually happened in the postseason this year. They sucked in that fan base and then laid an egg on Sunday night. But I still, Greg, want to give plenty of credit, as we should, to the Lions, who could have easily lost that juice once they knew they weren't going to go to the dance. And yet they finished off what was a truly promising season for the organization. You say lay an egg. I hear you. I say lost a great game to a better team. They scored 16 points in a do or die game in their building. Turn two turnovers. All I'm saying is like these two teams were better than plenty of the teams that made the playoffs. I believe that. that the, I agree with that. The, the Lions uh, had to go out and take that game. I love that the Lions get the ball in the fourth quarter, 
down three, marched down to take the lead. Then on third and 10, Aaron Rodgers sees a full house blitz. No Fs given by Aaron Glenn. He sends the house and dares the four-time MVP to beat them. Instead, he makes a mistake. Kirby Joseph picks it off. It was the third near interception that Joseph had that this one he finishes off. Then on third or second and 17 to call that lateral play, the stones of Dan Campbell and Ben Johnson in that moment. And then for the Lions season to essentially end like so many other moments of this Lions season, a fourth down decision. You can go for the field goal to get up a touchdown or you can do what Dan Campbell does, and you can go for it and not true worry so much about bad outcomes and trust in your players and end this Packers season. I wish they were in the playoffs, but man, you can't tell me that this is not a sweet, sweet victory and moment for this franchise, the team of ATN. It kind of threw me on the broadcast because they mentioned more than once, well, because they've been eliminated, probably they wouldn't have done that one play, the pitch back to DeAndre Swift. Maybe they wouldn't go for it on fourth ones. Like, But this is who, the, who Dan Campbell and the Lions have been all year long. It looked to me like a lot of the Lions games where isn't, it isn't like we're trying to be completely out of bounds in terms of our risk-taking, but they do go for it, and it's a very 2023 approach. Um, It is a massive organizational lift for Dan Campbell, for everyone, because when they were truly floating in the abyss with their record as it was, it was like, nice story, but a a lot of these hard knocks, nice stories, there's nothing to it when it comes down to it, and they completely turned around. I mean, they overcame... A couple of things tonight, too, because you had a Kirby Joseph pick that was taken away by that hands to the face. Mm-hmm. They had a missed field goal in a tight game. Mm-hmm. That Jamison Williams 61-yard catch-and-run mm-hmm. bomb that was pulled back by flag. I mean, a lot of penalties went against Lions to the Lions tonight, but they kept overcoming, and I think that is who they are. And, like, yes, I think that we're in the, they were in the playoffs they are not a team you'd want to face. It's it's a lucky, it's a fortunate situation for a couple of these mezzanine-level NFC teams. Yeah, you feel a little bit cheated. With all due respect to the Seattle Seahawks, to the New York Giants, those teams in the, the back end of the playoff picture, Detroit, to me, and, and for instance, I have a bit of a conundrum with the power rankings, which will come out in a couple of days, and it's like, I'm going to have the Lions as a top t- 10 team in the NFL because that's exactly what they are. It just didn't work out for them in terms of uh, tiebreakers and, and they just ran out of games to really to get into the dance. So it, it but it does give them a huge like kind of trampoline jump as they look to next year and there will be expectations in a way that you haven't seen around this team in many years and that's for down the road. Do we have Jamal Williams after the game uh, speaking uh, with NBC Sports? I'm just grateful. I'm grateful to be able to play this game for my great-grandfather, and I'm glad that he's looking down on me. I know I'm making him proud. You said this ball's for him? Yeah, this is for him. Another thing, stop playing us, man. We made, we the Detroit Lions. We the Detroit Lions. Stop playing with us. I don't even watch TV, but I heard everybody already picked, in, picked the Packers over us. That's the Lions in the nutshell. He pivoted mid, mid-tier. Like the tears were halfway down his face talking about his grandfather right. to pointing at the camera and saying nobody believed in us. And he's right. Except for Mark Sessler believed in him. I was just going to jump in. Well, I, I, this, is a, this is a smart strategy that we've talked about before. I was like, I had a feeling that everyone was going to jump on the Aaron Rodgers thing. It's like they are the team of ATL. So as I'm just obviously going to pick the Lions thinking less people would. And no one on this little like graphic right. they did, 
No one else did. It just looks. It makes I, you look. As I said in the text, it's kind of a clout hack. I, it is. And now what you need to do the next step are your representation. And I know who your representation is. You need to get this to Lions social media so they can amplify mm. it. And then your clout is yeah, and, and I know I know on on Greg's game day engrossed, view, like engorged. You also uh, you also clout. picked it. I've been picking them every week. They're know, the key Greg, to me getting into first place here. <laughs> the Lions keep winning. Your fault is you're doing this TV show. Oh yeah, on no NFL one pays attention I, to like, that. I'm just doing this dot com picks thing that gets tweeted. Right. That's how you do it. I used to be in that uh, picks thing, and then the guy that sent the email, like, "Hey, get your picks in," just gave up on me. I couldn't do it anymore. <laughs> I just like I can't. One other thing, <laughs> I, I think, give you respect for staying with it. Thank you. Well, I'm a I'm a company person. I, like I think the something that almost overtook what happened to Detroit in this game was the imagery, the camera work, and the somewhat mysterious uh, language by the NBC broadcasting yes. group about Aaron Rodgers arm in arm with with uh, Randall, Randall Cobb, Cobb yep. walking off the field, and and it was Jamison Williams who walked up to Rodgers and said. Could I? Could we switch jerseys? Which is a common thing. Maybe not always with Aaron Rodgers, but he sort of said, "No, I want to keep this one." James Williams has got like I have four career catches. Can can I have maybe well, your last I mean, jersey stuff ever? Happens all the yeah, time, but ahead. like, but it's just like the way they showed Rodgers pensively looking around Lambeau. It it changed the tone. You ever a get that feeling um, when you're watching something or you're listening to the the announcers or like they know something that you don't? Yeah. Yes. There was that vibe. The way Tariko yeah. was setting it up. And then the way the camera was just, I mean, this truly was like kind of the story of the game. Yes, the Packers season was over and another season was over for Rodgers, this all-time great player. But for a lot of football fans, the story was really like the Lions and the, the journey of their season and overcoming so many obstacles and then winning in Lambeau to end the season. But that is not the way NBC covered it. And we'll find out. We're going to learn more about it. But they, they have the cameras right in Rodgers' face. He obviously is taking things in, looking around the field with his best buddy, Randall Cobb, walking back into the tunnel, into the unknown. So we'll see. We'll see if that was a, a red herring or something that tells us what's coming next for the Packers. I absolutely got the feeling that Tariko and Collinsworth had a feeling yeah. about this game. Or more than a feeling. Based on, no, based on the conversation yes. that they had. They spent days when, with Rodgers and with Green Bay. It's just like they... With Aaron Rodgers, yeah. And and LaFleur after the game said, you know, in my mind, you know, he expects Rodgers back, but he he's going to decide that. And we'll see, because that does paint a different picture. <laughs> it, yeah. it does, because this was such, you know... A disappointing end to this season for the Packers. You're right. I hadn't even. I've been so wrapped up in the Lions that I hadn't even thought about like kind of what a crushing end because the, the Packers would have gone into the playoffs believing that they could do something. Now either the Packers or the Lions would have been playing the 49ers. Uh, tough, tough spot. Tough draw. I, I think the yeah. 49ers have to be thrilled they're playing uh, the Seahawks, considering uh, their, those three their history yeah. against them, mm-hmm. their recent history this mm-hmm. year. Uh, but man, that that that's a crushing way to lose after they got everyone all worked up and had a lead in the fourth quarter over the Detroit Lions. Give up that touchdown drive, throw an interception, can't get a stop. Ultimately, they fell short big time in the fourth quarter, just like they did uh, throughout the beginning part of the season. I would have loved to see Lions Niners. I think that would have been would have been ultra fun. fascination. Would have been fun. You know who you can blame for that? A little bit. Who? Baker Mayfield. We'll get to it. I mean, among other people, <laughs> if just, we're going to look at the season we'll globally. I'm just but... saying, before before we move on from this game, I do want to say, like, it, there's a chance 
Jared Goff, like we don't know what, what his future is going to be. Certainly you expect him to be the week one starter there next year, but you never know. The way this game started with him throwing a lot of dirt balls and, and struggling in the cold, everyone kind of joking about his small hands. Man, there was the drive before halftime where it's like third and five, uh, and they're down 9-3, and they just got the fumble back, and he leads the drive. And then Campbell goes for it on fourth and two when they're down 16-13. Remember, they're going for it on fourth down when they were behind on that touchdown. Drew, and, and Goff had that nice throw down the field to it, like, he delivered, man. He got, yeah, he, he delivered. delivered. Play after play after play, he Just really like delivered. Jamal Williams, who we heard breaking Barry Sanders' touchdown record, <laughs> and Jared Goff. He may not be like the John Wayne of NFL quarterbacks, uh, not the picture of like what, what the great ones look like or how they perform, but he was fearless in this game as well. Goodbye well, to the – oh, yes, Mark. Well, I was going to say, like, how many – it's been a season where a number of quarterbacks have changed what we think about him entirely, but the easy, comfortable – jokes about Jared Goff and his personality and his sort of, you know, bowl of milk or glass of milk type persona, like throw it all away. I mean, what he did this season was pretty amazing. Great year for that offense. Uh, great year uh, for the Lions, even if it falls short of the playoffs. Song, so long, team of ATN. I don't know how we pick another one next year. That is the GOAT team of ATN yeah. in my impression, in my uh, humble opinion. Let's move on now. All right. We mentioned the Seattle Seahawks. They are going to the playoffs because they got it done. Give them credit uh, last week against the Jets and, yes, against Baker Mayfield and the Rams. Can Myers win this one in overtime for the Seahawks? There's the snap. There's the spot. The kick is away. And the kick is good! The Seahawks win the game! The final regular season game of the year! They win it at home against the Rams. And now the playoff chances still live for the Seahawks. And as we know, they got the result they needed on Sunday night with the Packers falling. That allows the Seattle Seahawks to move into the postseason with Geno Smith as their quarterback. That is a real success story for this organization. A 19-16 win over the L.A. Rams, who, as we've said, last week had already set a record for the most losses ever for a defending champion. They finished 5-12. and 12. Uh, This is a game that uh, was close throughout. Uh, Seattle had gotten set up uh, after a very questionable, in my opinion, personal foul on Jalen Ramsey on a, a hit on the sideline on Geno Smith. Set him up for what looked like it was going to be a game-winning football at the end of regulation. Jason Meyer hits the uprights. But after a terrible Mayfield interception in overtime, uh, they get another chance, kick the field goal, game over, Seattle advances. The look on Sean McVay's face as he was walking to go shake Pete Carroll's hand was very memorable to me. The day started with reports really pumping up that McVay may not be back with the Rams. Ian Rapport, Jay Glazer, everyone. But he had always owned Pete Carroll. And that was the difference this season, I guess, between the Seahawks of old and this Seahawks team. I know they got to play this Rams team. And yet when you watch these two Rams games against the Seahawks, they had both of them in control in the fourth quarter. And Geno Smith and the Seahawks eventually get it done. I'm not going to try to pretend like they played a great game. Geno threw a pick right off the bat to Jalen Ramsey. Seemed a little shook. Didn't throw with a lot of confidence for much of the game. Could have had uh, more picks. Had two in this game. Um, but when they needed a drive late, 
got a little help uh, by that Ramsey call, but they were also moving the ball by the end of the game much better. By that point of the game, Baker Mayfield had sort of run out of answers, was just throwing up hope balls, and the Seahawks did just enough against uh, a bad Rams team to get there and to give the fighting Dan Campbells a chance. And I think Seahawks fans who were whining on Monday about how unfair it was that the Lions were playing later uh, should send an apology, maybe a fruit basket to Detroit for all that they've done. Sure. <laughs> it's a lot of fruit baskets. Yeah, sure. Yeah, the the after the game, after the missed uh, field goal, you go to OT and Seattle goes three and out. Mm-hmm. And there's the chance for the Rams. And, uh, you know, Baker, who was very up and down, with the Rams, just like he's been for most of his career. They have a chance to win the game. Uh, Van Jefferson kind of streaks open on a second and 15. And if Baker just zips it in there, uh, that's a big gain. And who knows what happens at that point. Instead, he puts a lot of air under it. It throws a balloon that's intercepted by Quandre Diggs, who waves at Bobby Wagner on the sideline as he goes out of bounds. And um, it was very uh, close to over at that point. So a tough way for the the Baker season to end as we look at a very unknown time around the Rams. The Sean McVay's status unknown, Baker's status, who knows? Stafford I mean, will I think if you, out, you you look at that Baker performance against the Broncos on Christmas Day, which was pretty flawless, although it wasn't asking him to save the world, but it was a very clean game. But outside of that, because of that Raiders comeback, was they were abysmal for most, most of that game until the very end. And the, it's been spurts where Baker, I think, has been impressive to come in and do it without a full off season or a lot of time to get up to snuff in their offense. But it, a lot of times it's looked like Baker Mayfield, and especially last week and this week, missing certain throws that would have saved the Rams. You're playing with no Cooper Cup. I mean, there's people missing all over the place. The offensive lines look better despite, you know... But, Baker's done fine for the situation he's, he's in, but he, he's him, though. He's just right. him. That was the pocket was clean and Jefferson was open. And like I said, he threw a blimp. Right. And a couple plays before that, I, I guess I'm thinking of the drive to end regulation where they could have gone down and tried to kick a game winning field goal. He also missed Jefferson. And he's just he's just slow making decisions yeah. um, where he's always like a beat late. And that that's been his problem. And the Seahawks benefited from that. They They got the Jets. Uh, at the right time, they had the right week 18 opponent and they beat the Lions. And that's it, it sucks, but they hmm. played that game. I remember that game well. It was like 40, 48 to 45, 48 to 45. It was one of Gino's best games. It was at the point of the season where the Lions defense just couldn't do anything. And they, they tried to keep up in a shootout. And unfortunately for the Lions, like that game loomed super large because I don't think the Seahawks team that's entering the playoffs uh, is at their best right now. You never know if things could change, but I think this is the worst matchup possible. They got blown out twice by the 49ers. 48-20 to 20 was the combined score of those two games, and it didn't look that close either one of those times. Uh, you never know. It's still uh, an incredible success story for them to be able to celebrate tonight. Ken Walker had a nice day, 114 yards. Here's, they really rode him. Here's a quote from Diggs, who had the interception that set up the win. Uh, of Jefferson. That dude was wide open. In my mind, I was thinking the worst. I felt like I was 25 again, running and jumping in the air. It was one of those plays. They drew it up perfect, got us in the coverage they wanted, and I was going to go out and make a play. So, credit to Seattle. They're moving on. And it might not be the game that people want to see, but at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. Seahawks fans, congratulations. It's been an awesome ride. Mike got McVay out of the division, too. 
Really? Maybe, maybe. The way, that, the way that ended and the look on his face, I was like, man, if they had won this game, would it have changed Rams' future? I hope future? not. I don't think it could. I hope not, no. but that feeling and the reports that he's just like so down and stuff and then to – he, man, he just looked crestfallen. I wanted to mention that. It is New Horizons Monday coming up. And this was from Schefter. McVeigh has gone back and forth on the decision and needs time to get away to process all that has transpired over the past year. Winning a Super Bowl, being courted to work in television, getting married, watching his wife's home country of Ukraine invaded, losing his grandfather, and then a coaching a team that has fallen short of expectations. Which one of those do- doesn't fit in with the others? Well, all right. I I know what you're saying. But, like, who I'm knows? I'm sorry. Everything's serious. No, okay. no, no. Not at all. But just, okay. like, I like that. That's coming from him, I would. Right. He, and, and maybe I'm just on wondering, the home is front, the war in Ukraine really I, of course it in stand, his Of course, making. it stands out when you bullet point it like that. It's yeah. kind of the most absurd thing I've heard this I mean, entire none, year. None of the rest of it, I think, felt like it mattered except for that this season's been miserable and he works works himself in a way that he was considering retiring last year. Yeah. I don't think that was. Well, all do you remember the like feature that came play? out about him yeah. before the season? And yeah. like the one picture it painted was the fact that he can't just let any of this stuff go. So we'll see. They'd, but they also talked about him as someone who wants to go out and have the best coach, the most coaching wins ever. So it's I, like, which are you? I read a, I read a, the, our friend Jordan Rodriguez in The Athletic about it. And I, I just thought it was notable. She noted that the Rams don't think he'd be retiring from football. They think he'd be taking a break, kind of like Sean Payton. And by taking a break, a move. they could either be waiting for him to come back, which is almost impossible, or... They just know that they'll be able to get some draft picks for him, and they could use some draft picks oh, yes. whenever he does come It back. could be yeah. mutually uh, beneficial at this point in Rams history. They are. It doesn't feel like they're close to getting back to a Super Bowl. And I just wonder with that roster, and everyone's saying, oh, Matthew, Sta- Matthew Stafford will be back. I don't know. This is an interesting. Jordan would be a great person to have on the show for our next episode of Flashpoint. Absolutely. Because if, if McVay knew that something about Stafford that we don't know, and then the Rams know something about McVay that we don't know, it's like a you know house of cards. All right, let us take a break, and we will continue on. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower. 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. All right, let's... Welcome back. If you're just joining us, which would be weird, it's a podcast. (laughs) Week 18's in the books. 272. In the books. We got the playoffs set. We continue now to roll through the NFC. We finally, we've been waiting and waiting for the Eagles to lock down the NFC number one seed. They finally did it. Hurts gives it off to Scott. Up the middle. Touchdown, Boston Scott. The giant killer does it again. (laughs) Yes, he does. Okay, that was the best highlight I could think to give to Gravedigger. (laughs) This was not. I, I was tasked with watching both NFC East games today. Not great. Sometimes you feel like you're earning your money a little bit. Yeah. You know, NFC East was not dynamic in week 18, which isn't to say teams involved in the NFC East will not be dynamic in the next few weeks. We got three of them in the playoffs. It it is to say that maybe some of them will be. 
The Philadelphia Eagles are the number one seed after a 22-16 win over the New York Giants, who remain the number six seed. The Giants next week will travel, as I said, to Minneapolis to face the Vikings, who they played very tough on Christmas Eve. The Eagles, the, 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 the uh, what do they say, the fruit of their spoils? Is that right? The spoils of their to fruit? The, to the victor goes the spoils. The fruit. Something about fruit. They get fruit. It's the very fruit late. of their labor? Yeah. Fruit of their labor. Wait, did anybody hear anything? No. I didn't, I didn't hear, hear anything. anything. I think Weird. it was fruit of their labor. Yes, Justin? Um, yeah, just back to your earlier point. That was Philly's only touchdown. What other highlight were That's we going to do? That's it. That's all it is. Kenny Galladay's touchdown? That was Kenny Galladay cool, finally in his last game sense. as a giant most likely did score a touchdown. But anyway, um, they take care of business. I said on the Thursday preview show, boys, that – uh, I thought it was kind of an important game for the Eagles, not just to win against the Giants' backups. And trust me, it was all Giants' backups for the most part. Um, play well. And they didn't really. I think they hit the touchdown and five field goals. The offense was a little funky. But Jalen Hurts came out of it seemingly healthy, um, you know, between the injury costing him two weeks and then not doing much today. He's out of the MVP conversation. But more importantly, he should be ready to go in two weeks, and the Eagles will be as well. 14-3, and three, big season for them. And we're going to talk about a coach later in this show that uh, took pains to explain why he played starters deep into a contest when there was no desire for that. The Giants hung around the Eagles with zero snaps for Daniel Jones, Saquon Barkley, Dexter Lawrence, Kayvon Thibodeau, Leonard Williams, Andrew Thomas, John Feliciano. I mean, they really legit rolled out all your backups. They played a two-tight-end set, basically, the whole game. It was like so a preseason that, game. So that they wouldn't play their top three receivers. So that their top three receivers didn't risk getting hurt, which, A, good move, it's amazing they were competitive still. Smart head coach. But it's also crazy because it's like the Giants made the playoffs to the point where they had to really make sure they protected Isaiah Hodgins and Richie James. <laughs> like, like the Chargers are out there. You know, they they can't they say they can't start. But like the guys they're protecting are Isaiah Hodgins and Richie James, who were lucky to make the team back in. Well, that's in, all they got right now. That's good coaching. That's good coaching. And the mm-hmm. fact that they were competitive in this game. I think they'll. I think they'll be loving that. I think they're feeling good. I actually think the Giants kind of enter the playoffs uh, playing better than they've played all season. There yeah. was one absurd moment in this, Dan. Do you agree the idea? Because this, you know, whether you want to keep it close or not, why show anything that you might use down the road? But they attempted that fake field goal where Jamie Gillen just the Scottish hammer just got mm-hmm. destroyed, and it's like this game came down. To six points, you could have been. A, you could have a chance to be within three. I mean, it I was. Mean, it's not a big deal, but it was. It just... wasn't actually a close game. It was sixteen nothing at halftime, and uh, the Giants got a very late score to set up an onside kick. But the Eagles kind of controlled it the whole time, and Ian Eagle gets credit because as soon as that that uh, special uh, teams gaffe occurred, he said, "Oh, the Scottish hammer gets nailed." I was like, "That's that's a pro." He nailed it. Um, we're going to talk about the Tennessee Titans later, uh, Justin. So you might want to earmuffs oh. this one. Um, A.J. Brown uh, set the Eagles record for receiving, uh, passing the great uh, Mike Quick uh, around 1,500 yards he ended up with. So Mm. uh, unbelievable season for him. The Eagles, I'm a little nervous about the Eagles. Mm -hmm. I think they're a team that uh, they're going to have to show that they can get back to that top gear because it's been a while now since we've seen it. But they took care of business and got that one seed. I mean, it would have been an outright disaster if they – 
lost out the last three weeks yeah. and didn't get that one seat. They got it. Now they get to rest up, and there you go. This this is kind of the perfect outcome for me personally because I, I like the That's Eagles. Important. I, I, I root, I'm rooting for them. I picked them to win the Super Bowl. Good. But I do like the consternation in Philly and this result, them getting the one seed, but everyone's going to be like so mm. anxious for the next couple of weeks. And I don't know. Mm. I never know what to make of You enjoy of- that. Yeah, I okay. do. Like the the Philly angst, I enjoy. Uh, like I never know what to make of it. Like when a team kind of comes to the finish line, uh, taking on water after a really dominant season. Just because we've we've done this long enough, mm. sometimes like then they f- lose the first game and everyone's like, oh, see, like. And then sometimes, sometimes it doesn't 14, matter. Nothing late in the first quarter in the playoff game, and it's right. like, oh, okay. And it, but sometimes it doesn't. It doesn't matter at all. Like the Eagles, for instance, kind of. Slowed down at the end of that full season. I mean, I know it was Foles co- coming in there, but they they didn't exactly end on it. And I can think of Patriot seasons where they ended really poorly in the regular but season and then hot in the playoffs and vice versa. Someone's so going to prove you right. Someone's going to prove you wrong because Philly, Dallas, Minnesota, Tampa, San Francisco, outside of San Francisco and Seattle have all been full of warts in the last couple of weeks sure. and fading and sort of just tripping their way into the playoffs. Like, please, we're inviting you into the postseason. Come through the door. Yes. It's a new season. You don't have to play San Francisco until the championship game at worst. So that's that, the that's best. Ga- yes, yeah. avoid the Niners as long as you can. Yeah, let's stay in the NFC East and hit the other game because, yes, the Cowboys seem to be taking on some water, too, at the wrong time. Third and six, snap to Prescott. Quick throw to the first. <laughs> and the 20, he's going to walk in. Pick six, touchdown. Once again, Dak Prescott will give you the opportunity on defense to take that ball away. Kendall Fuller missed it the first time. He had his hands all over that the second time. All right, that's uh, Bram Weinstein and Julie Julie Donaldson Donaldson. Uh, with the call. Greg, calm down. What's going on with you, Greg? (laughs) He loves ball. I mean, I don't don't. No, that, my note said London Fletcher, and I was like, right. I'm I saw, pretty yeah, sure. Yeah, for I think we've been through this before, where right. it's like definitely not London Fletcher. It, speaking I know. At some I, point. I I don't know. Yeah. Are you trying to like Ron Burgundy me? It's a three-person booth, so sometimes I I hadn't well, heard the call. So I got it. I had it though. Before Greg screamed it, I was going to say Julie Donaldson <laughs> with the pick six, and what she's referring to is um, Dak and the rest of the Cowboys were so like shamelessly sloppy in this game. Mm and unplugged in terms of uh, playing sharp, competitive football, that literally the play before that, he throws kind of a lazy pass that Fuller has a, a easy path to for a pick six, only Fuller slipped and was unable to catch the ball. And uh, before the announcers could even finish making the point of, oh, he really blew that, Dak does the exact same thing, mm. targeting the exact same receiver and the exact same cornerback on the next play. This time, it's an easy pick six. And it was kind of like, at that point, all she wrote, Washington cruises to a 26-6 to win. And, uh, yeah, again, uh, we got Dallas going to Tampa, the 8-9 and NFC South champion on Monday night next week. And they'll be a favorite in that game. Maybe not a big favorite. Maybe around three points, I would guess. But I don't know how any Cowboy fan uh, or Mike McCarthy, for that matter, who's going to be feeling the heat, by the way, if they don't if they go one and done, uh, can be feeling good about this team, how they ended the season. They just something seems off, Mark, with the Cowboys. And I'm looking at their recent schedule here. Well, that tells you the story. Look at <laughs> yeah. the quarterbacks they played in the last month plus. Yeah, you had the the terrible loss to the Jaguars. Uh, you beat Gardner Minshew. Uh, you beat the Titans. Josh Dobbs. Josh Dobbs. And then 
you lose uh, to Sam Howell and the Commanders. Right. They barely beat. Fashion. They barely beat Davis Mills. I mean, they're just not all these teams are going to be able to surge this entire way. And I, it's not all about the Dak Prescott interceptions. I think like if you take away, not that you can, but if you take away the turnovers, not this game stands out as a true mess, but he's been pretty great. I think otherwise, it's just that. This they're not all these pick sixes are not the same. This one the stuff he threw today was just bad. It's just surprising bad stuff, right? He has been incredibly unlucky. Like for what it's worth, his turnover worthy play percentage at PFF has been very average throughout the season. Not good, not bad, but it's it's really resulted in a huge amount of interceptions, some of which were not his fault. But this time he's not playing well. I'm more concerned about the defense because that was this team's calling card for a while. But now they're thin at cornerback. Defensive tackles, clearly a problem. Like, they haven't been good at the second level in terms of their linebackers. They're getting smoked by by Sam Howell, who, like, hey, kind of looks Sam, Sam Howell. How about that, that go ball he right. threw? Yeah, that was a nice pass. Yeah. I mean, if you take the go ball out, his stats are not good, but <laughs> you can't take it out. It's part of it. Uh, yeah, that was that was an encouraging. I wouldn't I, if I'm the commanders, it wouldn't stop me from being very aggressive to find a quarterback, but maybe he could be your backup Next year, yeah, I think Dak finished with 15 interceptions and and what 12 starts or whatever. And he went 14 for 37 for just, 128. It what? was so bad, and it made me think. I was wondering as I'm watching the game because Dallas, um, you know, couldn't make any real move once it became clear that Philadelphia wasn't lo- wasn't going to lose that game to New York. That get him out of the game, get these starters out of the game. But I think it was right. one of those things where the coach is like. I need to see I need to have them go out on on something positive and they did score a touchdown right before the half and in retrospect maybe that should have been the time where you pull the trigger there was just not much to build off so you kind of flush this game um and hope that the better version of Dallas shows up Micah Parsons also was kind of limping on and off the field throughout this game he seemed to be banged up not a good day for the Dallas Cowboys maybe maybe the the whole scoreboard watching and being distracted and knowing that the game it probably didn't matter. I mean, maybe that's a factor. You've, you've tougher, Dallas. You've, you've like heard like... about players talk about that, but they averaged two point eight yards per play. They had ten first downs. This is one of the worst offensive performances all season. That's doesn't, crazy. Doesn't this yeah. feel this I, is a outlier. Yeah, you're playing a. You're going to play a team that's not very good next week in Tampa, but they're not terrible and they're going to be home and they have Tom Brady. It's like this all feels like it's building towards something with the Cowboys. I agree. We'll see. I wonder we'll if see. Um, just say this where nobody's underdog. <laughs> they won't be. We are not We would have said that. To win. We would have said that three weeks ago, though. I they're think three it's point just... favorites. You've told us though that the Bucks are winning that game. I, I have. I have mentioned that. You said show. that. I said whoever won You're that on division. The multiple times. Oh, okay. Multiple times. <laughs> uh, I w- I do want to mention that Dan Snyder was reportedly not at this game, uh, which is strange for the owner's habits, according to the Athletic. It could be his final game. As owner, with that popping up, a spokesperson for Washington didn't want to comment on it, but it was reported by the Athletic. It, Which is coming in a, in a way. Maybe maybe this win by Rivera in the ownership situation, maybe that helps him stay. The exact same thing. Tell me how that sausage is made, Mark. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, oh, we, we, we can't clarify what, where he was or what's going on there. It's just like, all right, just the only hanging thing, out there. I just want to know where Tully the pig was. I don't give a, I he don't care there. about anything else. I think he okay. that pig probably knows he has probably a two-game run if there's an ownership change here right. and a lot of other changes. And he's half like, man, half pig. It's a monster. Mo- make I'm the sorry. most of it. Greg, you were cut off there. I'm sure you were about to make a trenchant point. No, it was um, 
just uh, what Rivera must be thinking, which is like, is this this is happening again? I guess I'm going to keep my job because they're not going to fire me right before they leave. But this happened with Jerry Richardson in Carolina. He had, if, he had that job, and then the new owner came if in. I was, they yeah, gave him one year. And if then I was, was Ron, it. I'd get my wife and maybe some kids and a couple grandkids, get out of Dodge, and just mm. lay low. And hope they just kind of forget about me while they're trying to figure out everything That's a good move. That's just a pro tip for Ron Rivera. Let's move on. Other playoff NFC seeding implications. To the Bay Area we go. Robert Bellbottom. Only going to play action, and Purdy going to throw, and it is caught by George Kittle again. Give him 11 on the year, two today. How about that? George Kittle! The rubber band man is catching the rock for touchdowns this year. In this one, he rips away from Camus Grugier Hill. The rubber band man? I think someone's up on the old Haight-Ashbury before the game here. Yeah. What's going on with some of these radio broadcasts? (laughs) Hey, Danny, it sounds like he's blowing a bone. (laughs) Bingo. (laughs) The rubber band man. uh, A guy who we talked about him on the podcast like midway through the season. Like, you know, Kittle is not really Kittle anymore. And maybe he's not the same guy he was anymore, but he became a touchdown machine in the second half. And that's yet another reason to feel very good about San Francisco uh, who go into uh, the playoffs on a long winning streak, lock down the number two seed with a 38-13 to win over a team that is technically the Cardinals. Um, so San Francisco, yes, 13-4, and long winning streak. that They don't get the bye anymore with the new... Uh, rules in effect, but they will play at least one home game. And if uh, if something goes crazy uh, with the number one seed Eagles, maybe the whole way through the NFC, we shall see. I think it's huge. They get Elijah Mitchell back today. He's barely yes. played all season. And then you get Debo Samuel back mm-hmm. and you didn't have to use Christian McCaffrey too much. It was the ideal way for a team that did have to win. Uh, but they didn't want to expend all the energy in the world. They also didn't want to sweat it out. Like this was the opposite of what the Eagles did certainly what the the Cowboys did or the Chargers. Uh, this was perfect, and they've they've given every confidence uh, to believe they're one of the best teams. I know Danny's power rankings believe so. They will be the number one team going into the playoffs. For whatever, I mean, I I like the the Bills. I love the Bengals. I love the Chiefs, but I think San Francisco just hmm. feels like a a runaway train. At least they have the clearest path to the Super Bowl of any team. Now, I, can we are we all in agreement on that? Like absolutely. to get to the Super Bowl. No, least. I disagree with that. What's the doubt? What's the doubt here with the time Niners? out? Time out. Yeah. You think that, what team has a clearer path than San Francisco? That's a very the Eagles. I guess the two of them are equal to me. If the Forty hmm. ers are in Philly, I consider the Eagles like a slight favorite. Not much, but slight. Yeah, but at best, it's a, it's a coin flip. I'm not worried about the Niners playing an extra game when it starts with Seattle. They matched up really well with them both times. In this this game, you look at the score and you think just another like absolute drubbing. And ultimately, it 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 was down the stretch. But this game was 14 to 13 with just a couple seconds to go in the first half. Hmm. And there was a stretch where, for the first time in a while, the Niners just went to sleep on offense, three straight punts, and Purdy couldn't generate anything. And yet they climbed their way out of it. This was like not one of their finer performances. And by the end, they absolutely destroyed Arizona. It's like, I don't see another team doing this right now in the NFC. So I, I tend to agree with Dan that like I, with where the Eagles are right now, the, the Niners to me are just, if you're going to get Debo back, you're going to get Mitchell back. Purdy has not proven to be anything but completely legitimate. He's outplayed Jimmy G. 
and can, he fits right in. And like he's he's worked so well with guys like Kittle and Brandon Ayuk that I, I just don't I don't understand who really would be favored over him at this point. I know maybe Philly in Philly, but other than that, um, I think they're the best team in the NFC. And the one thing we should note is this was J.J. Watt's um, final game. I tend to believe that uh, like we're going to come September, there's going to be J.J. Watt unretiring. Um, but I, I'm not trying to undo his decision or anything, but just he... Oh, had, is there a part of you that thinks you could attempt to... Not in the least, but just I'm respecting his decision. Like if you were a little stronger with your point, he might listen to Sessler and be like, well, he's got a point. No, I'm not trying to make him come back. I just I I think that you're looking at someone that's playing about as well as... He has in ages. He had 12 and a half sacks and led the team in pressure rate and everything. J.J. Watt is he not still falling off a shelf. Three-time Defensive Player of the Year. He had 120 and a half sacks in the regular season and playoffs in his 12-year career. Here's here's uh, something from J.J. Watt after the game. I said I wanted to go out playing good ball, and I'm playing good ball. I know I still can. I just choose not to. That's all. A great career. Is he yeah. – if we were, you know, the – we just finished our 10th regular season of around the NFL here at NFL.com. NFL media. You get it. Um, is he the uh, peak J.J. Watt, the best defensive player? Yeah. Him, that we I ever mean, saw? I'd say yes, by a tick over Aaron Some people Donald. will say Donald, but uh, Watt at his peak was just... So we're talking about like the impact on our show. I think like J.J. Watt just was something that Many people Supernova. hadn't even seen. Yeah. Supernova, bro. Good call. Um, yeah, and the the Purdy thing, it's almost, I feel like, uh, Greggy, it's a little under the radar now or it doesn't get enough, like the fact that this guy that was the last pick in the draft is, is coming and is having a kind of a big year for them. If you look at his, his numbers, I know he's not at the level of those great AFC quarterbacks or Jalen Hurts when he's healthy, but he ended up with 13 touchdowns against, I think, three picks. His passer rating was about 110 or so. I mean, and that a lot of credit to the personnel and the coaching staff. But it, that is this season. We talked about when Garoppolo went out. It was like, is it kind of over for San Francisco? And it kind of seemed like it was. It is not over. And Purdy's rise has been a big part of it. No, they got better. I mean, today was a perfect example of a Purdy game. Five incompletions, three touchdowns, and almost nine yards per attempt. It's crazy. My my pushback with like calling the Eagles certainly uh, I think a coin flip if not better if they're home is just looking at the two rosters they're both loaded looking at the two quarterbacks I'll take Philly and I do look at the teams that San Francisco's played it's not their fault uh, they played one really good I guess defense that was playing well at the time down the stretch that was when they beat the Saints 13 nothing that was a weird game they were coming off the Mexico game and, and that was supposedly a thing but they were just playing a lot of teams that didn't really get uh, in their way too much. And maybe Minnesota won't either if that's the first uh, matchup uh, after Seattle. Like th- th- That sets up as well as possible for them to roll into that NFC Championship without playing uh, an overly good defense. This haven't lost since October 23rd, and I, I don't see a weakness. Yep, 10-game winning streak as the Niners hit the postseason uh, with Seattle Seahawks coming into their building. Well, no, Purdy did week. outduel David Blau, by the way. Blau did all he could. Looking but for that newsletter. That's tough for you to have to write the newsletter turn after that around. you leave here. You got to turn that it's around. A lo- it's a long day. I don't even, you know, you sleep for maybe three or four hours during sure. this time of year and you just keep going. Sure. That's the sacrifices we make. All right, boys, let's take a break and then we'll hit the rest of the NFC and then move on to the AFC. 
you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. All right, let's finish out these NFC games with a trip to Soldier Field where the Vikings and Bears uh, did battle with nothing on the line. Well, something. Cousins under center, play action, straight drop, pass to the end zone, caught, touchdown, Adam Thielen. Kirk Cousins throws a touchdown to Adam Thielen, and for Kirk, it's his 29th touchdown this season. For Adam Thielen, it's his sixth receiving touchdown. And that's where those men would end in terms of their statistical output in the regular season because Kevin O'Connell pulled many of his starters at the half. Uh game in hand, a game that didn't mean anything to the Vikings who were locked in in their playoff spot. They win 29-13 over uh, the Bears. Well, I shouldn't say that. There were things on the line for the Minnesota Vikings if things broke a certain way. They didn't. So they are where they are. And they'll get the Giants next week. Now, Adam Thielen had the touchdown. Otherwise, kind of a ho-hum game. And the Chicago Bears with the loss, in addition to the win of the Texans, have the number one overall pick in the NFL draft. Uh, Ten-game losing streaks have never felt so good in Chicago. <laughs> yeah, because, you I mean, you, you're you so right. It's a season where wins and losses, you kind of can put it aside as a Bears fan because you got the number one pick, you already have a quarterback, you don't want to waste too many more years on his rookie contract, but you also go into the offseason with a monstrously large amount of cap space over any other team. The Falcons are second, and it doesn't mean you go spend it all, but it's like you have a lot of flexibility, and I think you can sell a lot of free agents on Justin Fields and what you're building, which is a far away. We were not here in the summer. We were killing this entire organization for essentially about to be putting Justin Fields out there with nothing around him, and instead, look at it. It turned out pretty well, and you have a guy that is someone different than we thought of a number sure. of months ago. Still don't know if they have a coach. Like, the defense was bad. They did trade the number 32 pick in the draft for Chase Claypool, which was a, looks like a fiasco. That was I a mean, weird one. That, that not looking great. Uh, they started Nathan, Nathan Peterman in a football game in the year 2023. <laughs> so I just I can't give him too many flowers. Uh, but they did get some breaks. And George McCaskey, uh, the executive, uh, the owner, rather, uh, was seen toting around a Yeti cooler today after the game full of ice cream bars and giving them out to people. So what do you mean, to that's people? kind of a, a shout out to the what? old times in the like old Papa Bear. That's what he did at the end of the season. Is that oh, true? Nice season. You, here's an ice cream bar. Oh, what, I, I, what I was hoping you were telling the truth, like not joking, because no, that, otherwise that's kind of a eccentric move. That 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 is the truth. All right. Well, there, there you go. Well, there was reason to celebrate for the Bears. And um, yeah, the, you you figure that that will be a draft pick for sale unless they absolutely fall in love with someone who is not a quarterback. But this is a type of, if they handle this right and they have their management set up right and their draft scouts set up right, they could turn this hall into something that changes their organization and makes them a contender in the NFC next year. That's right. They're in a unique situation. One yep. little thing with the Vikings, because you came out of last week's disaster and no one believes them, I get it, but Cousins going 17 for 20, I saw him throwing some 
heaters to like KJ Osborne and stuff. He seemed like he looked pretty good today. This is how you do it, Staley. Yeah. You, you rack up 482 yards of offense, 28 first downs, and you sit everyone uh, by halftime. Yeah, I'm not going to try to revive your excitement about the Vikings. No, it was just, just like this you know, is like s- like several of the Week 18 games. These teams that were just like they had Let's the scoreboard watch. So they were yeah. watching the Eagles score and the 49ers score, I believe. And then once they saw that, or the the 49ers score rather, and and once they saw it's that, they said bye bye. And we're, and we're going to get obviously to the playoff. Uh, implications or the the games in the upcoming week but put it this way Vikings fans especially Vikings fans that get annoyed um at me on Twitter um you did go 13 and 4 you got at least one home game and you could you could say in a serious manner inside that locker room no one believes in us so maybe you could take that and do something with it That's true we'll see all right let's uh give it to us <laughs> let's move to Atlanta uh where the Bucks and Falcons did battle in a low-stakes affair. Zacchaeus in motion from right to left. Here's Ritter looking. Shoots it in zone. I mean, wide there it is. Alameda Zacchaeus for the Atlanta touchdown. That's it. I think that that's the first Desmond Ritter touchdown pass. It was, and then he threw another. Oh, it's hope season in Atlanta uh, for the Falcons who end their season in a positive manner with a 30-17 win over the Bucks. So the Bucks clinched the uh, NFC South last week by virtue. I was like that. By virtue of their victory over the Panthers. Uh, so they'll host a playoff game against the Cowboys next week, Mark. Um, uh, but they also finish 8-9 on the season. Uh, by the way, the first ever losing season in Tom Brady's career. Yeah, and you know, it's so it, – he started this game and – They yanked him uh, before halftime, and Blaine Gabbert came in and was eventually replaced by Kyle Trask. There was no Mike Evans in this game. Tristan Wirfs was was essentially not on the field. Tom Brady, though, looked like for a bit furious when they yanked him. I think he just because of what you just mentioned. It's like Tom Brady is not built to sit on the sideline and watch the formation and the birth of his first losing season. Whatever, he had plenty of time to have a winning season. Oh, no doubt. But I mean, just in this situation, he was annoyed. But what happened was then the the game started to tilt in Atlanta's favor. And I think that, you know, I don't want to overhype the Falcons. They've got a lot to figure out. But again, they're the second most cap room in the league. I don't know if you have a quarterback in Desmond Ritter, but I thought he played his best game by far today. And I, you do have a wide receiver in Drake London. You do have a really interesting running back in Tyler Algier who crossed 1,000 yards. I mean, it's like... Your guy. Your guy. Young, they're young, they have Not some a crazy uh, offensive rookie of the year candidate himself, Tyler Algier. No, because I think there's a thin pool there. But like he's also been Ted a huge Becker asset might want to you know, get him back on the horn. I hope he's feeling better, Ted, by I the way. I think he should. Tyler Al- Algier. Algier. Is officially uh, your guy. Well, that, he's that got the flu. Like a, I think he said he got the flu three times. It's like a seasonal thing for him. He's yeah. you know overworked. Need the sun to come back out. But no, yeah. I think there's like there's a there's some things to build around in Atlanta. Ritter. I mean, I just I don't know. I at least they didn't wait and not have him play. Like the whole thing that happened with Mariota is weird. But like they needed to see Ritter. I don't think it prevents you from making other moves at that position you necessarily. Shouldn't. Bucks uh, were tied when. Brady left this game. That's probably partly why Brady was annoyed. That right. He's, he's, he's out very, there like scoring 10 points on five possessions. It's, I mean, it's not like they were dominating. The Gabbert came in and they got like a turnover to take the lead for a minute and then they didn't Speaking score. Speaking of guys are half. still hanging around. Blaine Gabbert. What's up, bud? Yeah. Looking handsome. Blaine Gabbert. 
I mean, that was never the problem with Blaine Gabbert. No, but he had like that. Like he's got Blaine a, Gabbert's kind of a beautiful man. He's, he's also, just got a, a perfect haircut for him at this stage in his life right now. Right. He's also a hero. We talked about that on the show, didn't we? Him and his three brothers saved uh, some people from drowning. I saw that. It's nice. I saw that. It was it's a nice, nice thing to do. And you know who else did the same thing? Her old friend, uh, Peyton Hillis, former Browns uh, rusher, who uh, unfortunately, you know, he it put him in the hospital, but he, he saved some children in the, in the sea. His own. His own children. His own children. Yeah. Uh, and we hope, hope the best for Peyton Hillis. Um, and his recovery on that end. Um, all right, let's move to uh, New Orleans. Let's see, Greg went. Oh, they, they had a bunch of people from uh, the University of Georgia. Yeah, well, in this building, alumni, right? Right before we alumni before we started the show today, um, and it was a party. We got Georgia playing TCU for the national championship uh, on Monday in the across the sidewalk. This is part of the probably the package that they paid for to come. You know, and part of the job is, yeah. and I. This is not a, not a critique of the company. Right. It's very nice to do these tours, but where we each sit, which is along against a very long glass wall with the big hallway right. where anyone being kind of taken through dog and pony right. through the building is standing there always. They just gather and stare at us. And my I face them directly where if like I'm sitting there eating like right. a piece it's of pizza. It's kind of perfect. It's yeah. happened there like five times a day. there's one person to put in that spot, it would be Mark. I have right. the worst seat in the entire and building And they're like crowding up the glass like pointers. Like, Look at all these Yankees. And like my <laughs> working on a Sunday. That's not against the gods It was code. absurd. They're looking at what I'm looking at online. I don't need that. Like, I mean, it's fine. It's just work stuff. But it's like I'm not a I'm not a I'm you know here for your observation. Right. But yes, I am. Apparently. Mark brings this up, I would say, two, three times a week. And I uh, never get tired of hearing about it. Because they have these tours it. two or Times a week. It, it's like a, it's like it a, exasperates him anew every time. Or it's like a middle school football <laughs> team coming through. I'm glad that they're here, but it's like they're staring at me. Like right. I, I didn't. It's eight in the morning. I don't want to be looked at. You know. It's like, oh, tarnation! I got the vapors <laughs> looking know. at this big facility. Go Georgia! Well, they came right past the, past the studio here. You know. Uh, Greg's shaking his head. He's like, I actually, you know, went to school in the South. I know <laughs> Southern culture is, but I've watched a lot of TV, Greg. No, you're plugged in. I know what you're in. true Southern culture yeah. is. <laughs> I got the vapors. All right, let's go. That's how they all spoke. Well, we got anything else? The Saints. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Did we play the highlight? Let's go. 22 oh, yarder okay. for the win. JJ Jansen to snap. It's been a long Hecker puts season. Pinheiro <laughs> swings the leg. The kick is up. It is good. Eddie Pinheiro hey. wins it for Carolina to end the season in New Orleans. There you go, Greg. Eddie Pinheiro with the kick at the gun. Sam Darnold leads. The Panthers, Wait a right, minute. Greg, to a 10-7 to win over the Saints uh, at the Superdome. Both teams finish 7-10. and That's perfect. It's not how you start, Danny. It's how you finish. That's the story of Sam Darnold's career. Yes, he only finished 5 of 15 for 43 yards and two interceptions, Boom. a quarterback rating of 2.8. What? Woof. But it was Sam Darnold who ran for a first down yeah, and then did. connected with Terrace Marshall for 21 yards on that final drive. And you know what that did? That saved me from watching overtime of this dreadful game. Well, then it did a huge favor to all of America right. and beyond. So, yeah, the, the, the big storylines here, that winning streak for the Saints ends at three games. Uh, we'll see what Dennis Allen's future is. Steve Wilkes the same as well. A lot of coach questions after uh, the season ends for both teams. Jim Trotter, uh, our NFL Network reporter, was very curious why David Tepper, the owner of the Panthers, wasn't at this game, kind of talking about what 
Steve Wilkes' chances are to to keep that job or not. There's been you know confirmation that uh, Tepper and Jim Harbaugh spoke about the job, about the head coaching job. Wilkes did finish six and six, and this was kind of a kind of a game why I like Steve Wilkes as a head coach more than Dennis Allen. There was no business for the Saints to win this game. They could not have. Uh, lose this game rather could not have dominated it anymore for the first two or th- and a half quarters, but just Saints just kept making dumb mistakes, and the Panthers came out of halftime at least trying their best. In uh, to the point you were saying about Harbaugh in kind of awkward uh, news reporting from Jonathan Jones of CBS NFL on CBS. Uh, he tweeted this morning, the Panthers spoke with Jim Harbaugh recently, but only after a good deal of persistence on Harbaugh's side, Carolina plans to focus its efforts elsewhere. So whatever wow. whatever Jim <laughs> is telling Michigan and their alumni wow, right. uh, yeah. about, oh, yeah, you know, I'm not looking to leave. Uh, according to the CBS reporting here, uh, he was very thirsty for the F- Panthers to take him seriously as a candidate. And yet they have not. He did this a year ago and got a raise. So I think it's, um, you know, with those college coaching contracts, maybe just turn that into more money. Mm, well done. Who are the – did I Georgia mean, defeat Michigan in the semifinal? They did. They yeah. ended Harbaugh's oh. season. We wouldn't uh, no, be talking Georgia. about Harbaugh. Oh. Michigan well, lost to TCU. I yes. don't follow the college game. I literally have watched four minutes of college football season, so – I did watch that Michigan no game. I, I kind of like Harbaugh, but I liked seeing him uh, in pain, too. It was right. a fun game. All those Yankees watching football on Sunday. I like it on Sunday. Drew, it's not even a sport to them. Drew's a big Michigan fan back here. He was pretty uh, devastated that the TCU beat them. Nine foot seven. Drew. It's Drew, any good. comments? Yeah, good luck with that. All right. All right, there you go. So that's the NFC. Now let's move to the AFC and that playoff picture um, starting where we have to. Of course. In Western New York, after the, you know, really horrifying incident that happens Monday night in Cincinnati that leads to all sorts of different changes and throws everything up in the air in terms of the playoffs and how the seedings will be handled. Well, the Bills still had to take care of business, go back on the field and try to get back to being a Super Bowl team. And the good news, of course, by the way, DeMar Hamlin um, continues to make progress in contact with his team now, speaking, tweeting. It's, it couldn't be better. Uh, all, all of his mental functions are totally there. Tremendous news compared to what it was like even 72 hours ago. So great news. So now the Buffalo Bills, filled with hope and spirit, look to finish off their regular season schedule and get the Patriots out of the playoffs to Orchard Park. Bolt puts his foot into the ball. It's going to be short. Fielded at the four by Hines. Coming straight up the middle to the 20. Cuts it back at the 25. He's got an alley down the right sideline to the 40. 50. Down to the 40. 35. 30. 20. 15. 10. 5. Touchdown. Naheem Hines. 96 yards. Run, run as fast as you can. You're not catching Hines. He's your end zone man. Buffalo on the board. With the first play from scrimmage. (laughs) You can't make it up. You cannot make it up. Well, you know what? Sequel. That's not even it. (laughs) Hit it. Nick Folk kicking it off now. Hines takes it a yard deep in the end zone. Going to bring it out. Out to the 10, to the 15, up over the 20, 25, 30. Gets away from the tackler, 35, 40, 45, 50. They're not going to get him. He's going for another one. 102 yards. And there was a third one. No, just kidding. <laughs> it was just, just, quote, unquote, two 
kickoff returns for touchdown from Naheem Hines, including, obviously, the first play since everything that went down Monday night in Cincinnati. DeMar Hamlin himself tweeted out in the moment after the opening kickoff, OMFG. If you don't know what that means, look it up. It was those two kickoff returns by Himes that were really the difference for the Bills, who did not have their A game defensively, but the special teams' excellence compared with uh, combined with some Josh Allen magic was enough for a 35-23 win over uh, the Patriots. Patriots go home, eliminated with a loss, and the Bills, Mark Sessler, uh, finished 13-3, and which isn't good enough uh, to win the AFC number one seed, but what a hell of a way to kind of get back on the field after everything that transpired in the last week. And no team in the league has been through more, and, uh, you know, it happened, obviously, instantaneously at the start of all these games, and I was sitting with Greg, and I just thought to myself and said out loud, like, what on, how on earth can a game start this way? And I just think the one thing that is, I mean, this whole journey that we've been on over the past week that the Bills have been on, that every one of those players and players around the league, to, I just got the sense that someone was kind of chosen um, amongst all of this to send a message right away that things were going to be all right for this Bills team. And I mean, Nahi Himes, who they traded for, who's been a, a bit player his whole career, always heard about like, well, we want to get Hines more involved in the Colts offense back in the day. And the Bills got him for a certain reason. And now it's like the reason and the role he's played is utterly irreplaceable in Bills history forever. I mean, it's just a very special thing where sometimes the way sports work, it's like the least obvious character is just pulled out of the fray and chosen to do something that is leaves an indelible mark. And that's what happened. Let's today. hear from Josh Allen, who like you, Mark, you put it very well there. It almost felt like there was more at play uh, the way this game started and really the entire tone in Western New York today. I can't remember a play that touched me like that. I don't think in my life. Mm. So it's, it's probably number one. It, it, it was it was just spiritual, and I just I was going around and I just I mean I was going around my team and saying God's real. Like you can't you can't draw that one up, write that one up any better. Um, and I, I was just told by Kevin Curran, it's been three years and three months. <sighs> Since the last kickoff return, so it's pretty cool. Greg Demar Hamlin, of course, number three. Uh, he wears for the Bills, and three was everywhere across the NFL, including on the hats of all the Bills players. I, I thought of Steve Gleason's punt return block for the Saints immediately. And mm, totally different mm-hmm. situations, of course, in, in many different ways. But a play that when I saw it, you knew how special it was. Now we're almost 20 years, we're 20 years later, and we still talk about that play. And when this kickoff return happened, I just thought, we're going to be talking about this play in 20 years too. And I build a statue in Western New York. <laughs> you got to in the, in the, <laughs> two of them. And the thing is, I, I think it's really important for the bills football team in their quest to go win a Super Bowl, which is part of this whole um, conversation that we're going to have about them moving forward to have that moment here today to then play the rest of this game out a game in which they were in trouble and, and trailing at one point in the second half and kind of get through today and get that win and set up that we don't have to have a, a Bills-Chiefs AFC championship 
Um, or if we have a Bills Chiefs AFC Championship, that's going to be at a neutral site. And I, I think not that they're going to put anything past what happened with DeMar Hamlin. Look, they were FaceTiming with him, and he's now going to be a, a presence, I think, in their lives and talking. But he's getting better and better every week. And I think to be able to handle the emotions as a football team of like, okay, this all happened, and and then you got to go play a game, and it didn't really go that well for a lot of the game, but then to come out on top in the end and then start now to look forward uh, to what their playoff matchup is going to be. I also think that's big, you know, just for, for everyone to start to move forward of what they, they're they going to do and, and, and attack the rest it, of the season. It was an example of, it was another game where Josh Allen, um, you know, up until he started to make some big throws down the stretch, they just, their offense has looked somewhat suspect um, in recent weeks. Uh, Stefan Diggs had a big catch that maybe uncorked him. I thought, where is Stefan Diggs? Three quarters of this game. I think the, that was one of those Josh Allen throws that maybe absolutely. nobody else can throw. But I also amazing. feel like the particulars of this game, just what you were just saying, Greg, it's a, this is a bit of a week, a Fugazi week 18 for a lot of different teams for a lot of different reasons. The Bills just needed to survive and have this happen in front of their fans at home. And for that reason, I think it's a very special kind of checkpoint for them um, and had to happen the way it did today. Yeah, and Tony Romo calling the game with Nance. Uh, they also had great calls uh, of those two plays. Uh, we heard from Bill's radio there, but obviously that was some special stuff. Um, he said, Romo said, and Romo's, you know, he knows quarterbacks like nobody else. I, I keep thinking about, uh, about to uh, he knew before anyone else. He's like, oh, Mike White doesn't, he's not just injured. He has multiple broken ribs. Yeah. And then we find out weeks later he's got five broken ribs. He's watching Josh, Josh Allen the last few weeks and saying he's he's not the same. He's not the same. He's not throwing it the same way. And he said today, like in the last 10 days is the, the number he put on it. He sees Allen throwing the ball now the way he did before the elbow injury uh, back in October. And that throw to Diggs was the type of throw. I was like, oh, okay. All right. That, so that's important for the Bills, obviously, that you get peak Allen. He did have another red zone uh, turnover, which has been an issue all season. But, man, you just you just, you just try not to put too much into it and the, the mystical stuff and all, everything like that. Although I respect, you know, Josh Allen bringing the spir- spirituality into it. Um, man, are the Bills going to get stopped this year? You just feel like there's something really magical brewing with this season and this organization that's waited so long to get to uh, the mountaintop. And on the, on the New England side of things, because we should cover the Pats because their season's over, um, really I got to give them credit, to be honest with you. Uh, it was sloppy, and that's what and that's going to be something we remember about this season, uncharacteristic. Uh, miscues. They had obviously the two massive special teams gaffes. Uh, Mac Jones threw a bunch of picks late in the game and and won uh, when the game was very much in the balance in the red zone himself. Uh, But after giving up that kickoff return to start the game, their ability to calm things down in that building, get to halftime at 14-14, take the lead before their special teams blew it for him again. Greg, a very uncharacteristic New England season, a frustrating way for it to end, but kind of on brand in a lot of ways, the way it all played out. Right. They, to me, are a different team, obviously, since Brady's been gone. And and they've been very, this was a very characteristic season to me of the last three. They've been a consistent. At just, this level, though, the sloppiness, like at this level, this felt like a little beyond also the pale like, for Also, like, you know, quarterback melting down they, on the sideline on a was, weekly basis. It's it, a little on edge. They were sloppy in a different way, absolutely. Offensively, I think they were one of the most, poorly coached, you know, sides of the football I've ever seen out of the Patriots. But just in terms of being like kind of a middle of the road team that that does find ways to lose games that often does have mental mistakes. This time it was special teams. So you just kind of don't know 
which side is going to pop up here. Their defense was playing much better at the end of this season uh, than they had the last couple of years, certainly compared to last year. I think the defense would have been ready to go on a long playoff run if they had a good offense overall, and they they showed something there today. But it it was a bit of a end of an era here, I think, too. That was, I think, the last we're going to see of Devin McCourty. It it really looks like he's Two turnovers he had in potentially his last game. And and Matthew Slater as well. So uh, as a a Patriots fan, Slater – uh, it's hard to see him go out on this special teams guy. Maybe I'll like if there ever was a special teams Hall of Famer, he would be. A, I don't think he'll get in with that. But he says he was shell shocked after the games. It sounds like that'll be it for him. Well, and McCourty. it has got to agitate Bill Belichick to no end that they came into this game with the 29th ranked weighted DVOA special teams unit. So I'm sure it dipped. Uh, is it couldn't go much lower, but it obviously did. And that, I mean, Bill Belichick is the coach we think of who on these Friday press conferences will go on a 14-minute-long soliloquy about special teams play when everyone else mostly ignores it. So this was an, there, are, there are elements of this that feel un-Belichickian. I think there's obviously going to be a change on the offensive coaching staff. Um, if you want to keep Mac Jones around, which I, at this point, you know, I said last week that I'm not sure I would assume that would happen, but what other options do you have? It's like get a better off OC in there, and I think you can get Mac Jones back I on track. I think it would be a mistake to make a rash decision at the quarterback. We're g- going to get into that, but I thought yeah. in, at one point in this game, just give you an example, Mac Jones and the evaluation is tough because things were so messy in New England. one point in this game, he was in their three touchdown drives, their first three touchdown drives. He was 17 for 17 for 170 yards and three touchdowns. Like there's there's a potentially a decent to good quarterback there. And I don't know if you kick him out the door after this season. Uh, and we'll see, Greg. I know you've been, you know, talking a little bit about what happens with Belichick if he's getting pressure from upstairs about how the changes need to be made. We know changes need to be made in New England. I Let's think it'll be a radio it. silence for a while, but I, I still wouldn't. I'm very curious to see what the outcome is of what Bill Belichick does. I mean, he's, does that all-time wins record is in, you know, target. Sure. Is a target. He'll get him with like, another team if he wants to. I guess. I feel it'd be. Strange to throw him somewhere else, but and as we said at the top of the show, it will be the Miami Dolphins traveling to Buffalo in the wild card playoffs next week. Let's move to another team that's dancing the Miami Dolphins. Hey, sometimes the dance isn't pretty, sometimes, sometimes it's an ugly dance, <laughs> but it's all right, you're dancing nonetheless. Dance like no one's watching? Is that the thing? I mean, it's always an uh, ugly dance yeah, if like, I'm yeah. involved personally. Right. I can think of some <laughs> nights at the Lost and Found where we probably dance not looking too pretty. All right. Okay, let's day. get to the game. A win here and a Bills win would <laughs> give the Dolphins the playoffs. It's up, and it is good! Wow. Biggest kick of the year for Jason Sanders when he comes through. With 18 seconds left. The Dolphins lead it 9-6. to six. What a big kick for Jason Sanders. Wow. It was a big kick for Jason Sanders in a game that was all kicking. It was a game that had five field goals, and that's it. I tweeted, you know that old that community uh, Donald Glover scene that's become kind of an iconic gif where he swings the apartment door open with the pizzas with a big smile on his face, and all of a sudden, since he's been gone to pick up the pizza... The entire apartment is destroyed. Someone's been shot on the floor. There's a fire. That's how I, I imagine Jets and Dolphins fans, if you were, like, locked away around, let's say, <laughs> Thanksgiving, and then you saw what was going on <laughs> yeah. today in Week 18. Really gnarly stuff. But the Dolphins credit them for getting it done with their third-string quarterback. They find a way 9-6. Their defense becomes the la- latest defense to shut down a moribund New York attack. 
and um, the five-game losing streak for the Dolphins is gone. They finish over 500. They calm things down. And, yes, like I said, they'll be playing the Bills next week. So, listen, sometimes the dance is ugly, but you get into the dance anyway. I, I was texted during this game with our friend Henry Hodgson, and we are talking about it feels like a preseason game, and he seemed ambivalent over whether his beloved Dolphins would make the playoffs or not. The crowd felt a little ambivalent. Like, they tried to get going at points today, and it was crazy because this game meant so much. I, I was thinking the Patriots will probably lose. So this is essentially a playoff game. The whole season's been leading to this. But meanwhile, on one TV, it's like you see the the Bills game and it's like, wow, sports can be so crazy, almost impossibly powerful in strange moments in a game like that. And then you can be watching Skylar Thompson and Joe Flacco and trading field goals and like everyone trying to and, convince themselves this matters. And you know what? In week 18, like as is the way or week 17 in past years. Uh, you'll have a bunch of games that kind of feel like dog games because guys are already like thinking about their trip to Cancun next week. That wasn't the case here. You could tell on both sides of the ball the teams were putting in effort. Sure. There, there was just a real struggle to move the football in any type of efficient way. And, of course, these teams are both so beat up, both sides were, including at the quarterback position, that this isn't totally stunning. Bad O-lines, bad quarterback play. Yep. Those two things, <laughs> uh, The to the Dolphins' credit, one of the differences in the game, other than a huge uh, Quincy William, Quincy Williams horse collar tackle that kind of pushed Miami into field goal range before the kick was made, was their ability to run the ball. They were the only team that could actually do something, uh, which is rush the ball. Neither team could throw. And Mark, like I talked about it back in, shoot, it was probably week five when the Jets lost Brees Hall and Elijah Vera Tucker on the same day, and I was devastated that day. And it turns out that. Brees Hall, who played five games this year, was the Jets' leading rusher. So while there's been a lot of uh, focus at quarterback and the dysfunction there, that tells the story of an offense that completely melted down, and I think it's probably going to cost their offense coordinator his job. Yeah, it's, it's interesting because this, of course, is a Shanahan-esque offense where we're so used to, over the years, pre-Christian McCaffrey, watching Shanahan dial up seven different running backs over the course of a year. Floods of injuries, and it really wouldn't matter. They'd still get to 160 yards a game, and it was the scheme, it was the system. And the Jets, on a day like today, and really since Brees Hall went down, they had 38 yards at 1.9 yards per carry today. It's like, you can't, it's not just the quarterback. you got to find a way to surround good and bad quarterbacks, uh, wanting underhand quarterbacks that are not really skilled to get you to the playoffs with something, and they couldn't do that. And I mean, the Jets' offense really fell asleep, and I think the Dolphins look so different to us because I, I don't really view Tua as a... He, I think his numbers are better than who he is. That's just how is I feel about him. next week? Do we think well, we don't know. He's playing. still in, he's Based still in protocol. Based on the post-press conf- conference, it, it didn't sound like McDaniel had a ton of optimism. Now, Teddy Bridgewater, who was active for this game, I think would make a big difference because Skylar Thompson was skittish, and a problem. Not a big difference like you'll go win in Buffalo, but sure. but a big difference where you won't be the offense that you saw today because Thompson was a problem. The offensive lines were problems, but Thompson had much better protection in general uh, than Joe Flacco, who got hit, I think, 10 times and was, was kind of fighting for his life out there. That maybe a veteran quarterback could give them some chance here because Thompson threw the ball 31 times here for 152 yeah, yards. Tyree Bridgewater Hill was like, off and on the field. Stay in the, stay in the game. I mean, I, right. you know, I'm not 
I'm not going to blame him for injuries, but his two starts, he didn't even get through. And I think that's, that's been well. the one thing I'd say about Mike McDaniel. Yes, they faded hard. And like, it's not been impressive. Their offense today just looked completely like a different offense. But Mike McDaniel, without a lot of drama, has found a way to get here in year one with the Dolphins with about as much, uh, you know, revolving door quarterback madness as you could ask for. Outside also, of the Jets. He also went for two fourth and fives in this game from close to midfield, which I was surprised, including on the opening drive. Uh, what surprise he did with Skylar Thompson. One didn't work. Wasn't worried about Flacco taking advantage. One did, and then ended up leading to three points. So he was he he was aggressive to the end. The Jets finished the season with 33 straight drives without a touchdown. But at least you got mm-hmm. Garrett Wilson, who I think would be my pick for rookie of the year, just eye test wise. And in a year where there wasn't any huge obvious numbers, guys, I think he just looks to me like the best player. And he was nine for 89 today. Flacco smartly just tried to throw it to him every single play. I have think- an obvious to do in the offseason. You've just got to figure out this quarterback thing. Right. You've got a good, you finally got a really strong roster. I think that, uh, I think he's a true number one wide receiver. Garrett Wilson yep. will only get, um, better, and it was notable, Greggy. Um, we'll see. Black Monday's coming up. Sorry, New Horizons Monday mm. is coming up, and we'll see uh, how everything plays out in the league. But Salah's probably safe, but just his comments, he would not kind of endorse LaFleur after the game, makes you think he's willing or knows he might have to sacrifice a guy that he probably doesn't want to get rid of for his own safety at this point. That's what six-game losing streaks do. And uh, that's a, a a sad way for the Jets season. It was otherwise filled with hope a couple of uh, weeks back to end. You know what? I hate this stuff though because I don't. I'm not convinced that Lafleur can't do it. Agreed. He's been around with his brother and everyone else. It's like you went through so much. Like you were you were you were tagged to play a non-functional high draft pick who doesn't have it. And we all know that now. They didn't know that three months ago. And it's like, are we going to part of we, his do job? Do we always need a fall unquote, guy though? to develop, and I think they failed on some level as well. To, I, right. I, I kind of agree with you. But they I'm didn't just fail saying, to develop Brees Hall or Garrett Wilson or other young players on both sides of the ball. this has been the story guys, the guys for but, 40, 50 years. It's but they also just they picked can. the wrong guy. Like, they picked the wrong dude, right. you know? Sure, but somebody's got to go, and that's what happens when you lose six straight games to end the season. Yeah. And you could yeah. say no, but it's like, that's kind of the way. The owner probably wants somebody out. And Sal's going to be like, I don't want to do that. I don't think owners should be involved in this, but that's not how this works. Right. All right. Just getting started here on the AFC. We'll be right back after this. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower, 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. All right, welcome back. By the way, did I mention that? I don't think I ever mentioned the final score. Dolphins 11, Jets 6. Mm. And for those, like, Scoragami guys out there. Scoragami. I know um, that you you detest the, the concept. The safety on the final yeah, play yeah. after a 50-yarder from the, your boy It did Sanders trigger a scoragami, though, for those who care. It wow. did not. Well, um, that's what they, I saw that. It happened one other time, uh, and it was, I believe, in the NFC title game, Bucks ran. Oh, well, there, were, there were reporting mistakes out there then because that was reported Maybe all over regular the place. regular season. The Bird Emanuel game. The Sean King almost went to the Super Bowl game. That was a bizarre conference championship. All right, so it's a regular <laughs> season scoragami, which has no meaning. It either no. is or well, it, it isn't. Well, it never has any meaning. I guess is my overall viewpoint on scoring. I well, I would say nothing has any meaning. 
Well, that's nothing another way to look all. at life. Nothing at all has meaning if you want to be that nihilistic about anything. Scorigami? No, but, I, but but like you're deciding the scorigami has no meaning. You know what it meant does something? To some people. You know what it meant a lot? Saturday night. Yeah. In Duval. Duval. Let's go. Biggest play of the game right here. Shotgun for Dobbs. He drops. It's a blitz. An all-out blitz. They hit him as he likes to go. The oh. ball comes out. The ball comes out and right picked up. The Jags are running it back. The Jags are running it back. The Jags are going to run it into the end zone. Josh Allen scores a touchdown. Josh Allen is running back for a touchdown for Jacksonville. Oh, look. Wow, what a man. That's integrity by That's uh, the measure of a man. Yes, it is. Or it's masochistic, and I'm into that too, you know? Uh, they're, both, they're both great. <laughs> they deserved it after week 14. I didn't give it to them. They get it now. So you've grown. That was, you've that was one of the grown. calls of the year. Put that on the calls of That's the year. He one. said this is the biggest play of the game. He didn't hesitate whether it was a fumble or not. That was great. Sure. Yep. Uh, the God of Bongo endorses your decision-making here. Here, here, it carries Frank Frangie, W-O-K-V. With the call, yes, Josh Allen scoops up the fumble on the big hit on Joshua Dobbs. Takes it to the house uh, in a game that the Tennessee Titans, despite being beat up and missing their quarterback and benched their second stringer and brought in Dobbs, who hadn't been on the team but for a couple of weeks, they had to lead the whole game um, but let it slip away with 2.51 to play mm. in the fourth quarter. 20 to 16. The Jaguars are the AFC South champions. Calm down, Siri. Uh, <laughs> Apple Watch malfunction. Apologies. Modern day nightmare. Yes. Uh, 2016. Jaguars win the South and the Titans go home, Mark. I was thinking about Gravedigger uh, while watching this out in the town because it was like. Man, Tennessee has been a tough watch for weeks on end. I don't see them as a playoff team. I think we got the better operation no, here. Well, but the better operation to go face the Chargers team. I like that matchup. But I fell for Gravedigger because this was like Mike Rabel and crew doing everything they possibly could with a guy that's not been, uh, who wasn't even on the roster a couple weeks ago, a quarterback. I think Dobbs, it was smart what they did because Dobbs was the better option in this game. He's not perfect. We get that. But that turnover really was the turning point. I mean, the Jacksonville defense, because they didn't get a great look from Trevor Lawrence in the offense. It was not them at their high point. But they, the defense allowed 116 yards and three points in the second half. Jacksonville ran under 50 offensive plays from scrimmage the whole game. So to me, that showed that you can win different ways. You got just enough from Lawrence, but I think the better team won. And I feel bad mm. for Titans fans, but I think this Jacksonville journey has really shown as much as any team in the league, a, a team that started completely unsure of who they were at the beginning of the season. And under Doug Peterson, I don't want to overdo the culture thing because he took over the worst situation. And it, they were, there was no way that a coach, can, a coach can come in and do a better job than what happened last year. But I think Doug Peterson deserves a lot of credit for also talking about development of a quarterback. Trevor Lawrence grew by leaps and bounds under his watch. I, I hear you. And I'm glad the Jaguars are in. Much more excited to watch them. Their ceiling's way higher. Trevor Lawrence is fun to watch. I felt like the Titans deserve that game. Mm. Well, I mean, like, that's. I mean, I, I just I'm not mean, saying they don't. I don't they, know about deserve. Deserves a tricky word. It deserves a tricky word. Yeah. I think they outplayed them. They could have won the game. They they outgained them by ninety. They're playing with a backup quarterback here. Uh, their defense in Jacksonville got it done. Like that bare front where they're putting five guys up on the 
defensive line, and it's Trayvon Walker and Josh Allen, who might have had their two best games of the year, and Corey Peters, kind of a random uh, free agent pickup, uh, ends up dominating a Titans offensive line. That was the Titans' biggest problem all season. It, it popped up here. But Dobbs was balling out. I mean, Dobbs was going back and forth with Lawrence the whole game and was put in a tough spot and was doing great. They they were kind of outplaying him, and the Titans, the Jags offense got tight, didn't play well. The Titans were a defensive team and was holding them down. If Dobbs had you know seen that blitzer and just thrown that ball away, like I'm not too confident the Jaguars offense was going to do anything there yeah. and, and win that game. Graver, the everything went wrong for the Titans uh, over the final two months of the year. The only thing that really did go right, although it ended up you know, painfully falling short, was this Hail Mary that was Joshua Dobbs because not only did he lose Tannehill to the ankle, then the draft pick, Malik Willis, is kind of a mess and not ready for the moment. He did make the season. You were able to at least go out with your dignity and your, held, uh, your head held high because he really did play well. Yeah, I mean, he played a lot better than I think anyone could have hoped or expected. And on that last play, you wonder – why are you even running a straight drop back with no chip mm-hmm. or running back help in the in the pass blocking scheme against a defensive front that has been dominating your backup offensive lineman all game with like four minutes to go and you've been running it okay? I mean, Henry's been popping five to seven yard runs. You get a first down there with a run and you potentially ice the mm. game. You don't get the first down, you punt it, you pin Jacksonville deep. It was aggressive, but they were aggressive with him throughout the night. Like, he hit those third and longs. They weren't running on third and longs. Like, he was hitting those throws against pressure. It can't, I agree with you. It's a, I was almost surprised how aggressive they were. Uh, but, man, if he had just seen that blitz. Yeah, the, and the game plan, obviously, was we need Derrick Henry to take us there. And they gave him the ball 30 times on the ground. He, he went over 100 yards but averaged about three and a half yards a carry mark. So you didn't get that uh, – big-time Derrick Henry game where he he had some nice, powerful runs, but yeah, he, he couldn't make the big play to kind of win them the game like he's done so many times in the past. Had that stiff arm that just shows you that he's mm-hmm. an impossible human being to deal with. But, yeah, they had the ball for almost 37 minutes, and I think it was like let's keep the ball out of Jacksonville's hands so they don't get hot. And it can it can work only so long without a quarterback. And like, uh, but, but Dobbs, I think, you know, I don't know what – I think Dobbs is probably secured – a clear-cut um, high-end back second, you know, number two quarterback role a year from a year from now, or a look to that degree. I think he's a good quarterback with with you know mm-hmm. he's smart. Um, but this was this was Tennessee, another team where like down the stretch you have total quarterback chaos, and it's just hard to take them that seriously. Right, Jags fans, don't be annoyed if I'm you know dismissing this because the offense scored 13 points here. Lawrence still played absolutely perfect until missing Kirk on that open touchdown mm-hmm. to start the third quarter. Like he was pitching a perfect game, didn't have anything to do with him. Their lights out. It's good that their defense is playing better. I almost felt like they they got this out of the way. They almost knew they were supposed to win this. They they were heavy favorites. They've played a little tight. They got through it. I think they'll play better in the playoffs, and they'll be fun to watch. That's that place you... was rocking. I loved this game because they were hitting. It felt like a playoff game. It was so that's physical. A good, that's a good home field advantage they have there. It's yep. kind of slept on a little bit. Like that that fan base endured a lot of losing uh, after that. You know, you know that really special run in seventeen. But it's been terrible since. It was the biggest crowd in that stadium since they pulled the tarps off uh, wow. many years ago. Wow. It wasn't long ago those were, tarps were up. They were, like, hitting like crazy. It really felt like a, a playoff game. Almost every play just, like, it was popping. They were that way back in 2017. 
when when this happened, but with it with Blake Bortles at quarterback, now you have something where it's like, wait a minute, this yeah. could last for a while. This is different. This is a different feel. And they and, and yes, they go out on a, a five game winning streak. Uh, the Titans, I believe, was what seven. Seven straight. They scored more than twenty points on that losing streak one time. Yeah. Man, these like all these AFC teams are like, please pull us from the playoff race. Exactly. So the Titans have a lot of work to do, and we'll see what happens with them next. Uh, and the Jaguars get the Chargers in their building as a division champion. How about that? Let's move on. Next stop. Three tight ends. All Vegas. Triangle left side. Mahomes looks that way. Vegas, baby. Moves to his left. Holds the ball. Holds it. Now he's going to shovel it. it late. He's got McKinnon. Touchdown. Kansas City on a basketball shovel pass. Straight ahead to the amazing Jarek McKinnon. <laughs> well, I kind of think of Patrick Mahomes is the amazing one, and Jarek McKinnon has done a nice job <laughs> finding a niche in that offense and catching little miracle shovel passes uh, like that. The other Saturday night, Saturday game was a easy 31-13 to Kansas City win over the Raiders uh, with the win because of the unusual, unprecedented circumstances in our league uh, over the last 10 days. Uh, by winning percentage, by playing one more extra game, the Chiefs are the number one seed in the AFC and get the bye that comes with it. Of course, with the caveat, Greggy, <laughs> that if the Chiefs and the Bengals were to meet in the AFC, uh, Chiefs and the Bills, I should say, were to meet in the AFC title game, it would be on a neutral field. But the Chiefs, once again, the top seed in the AFC. Yeah, I was thinking, like, how about Vegas for that game? Is that a possibility? They'll just go to Indianapolis. The Indianapolis is busy. Like, There's a doubt. volleyball uh, tournament. Ah, we'll get them out of there. No, they've already told them they've rejected the NFL. I guess that was the NFL. The what first, if the Colts had made wait, the wait, AFC wait, wait. championship game? What would have happened? When was this booked? Well, well no, this would have, they would have found a different. I wouldn't have gone in with that as a possible <laughs> it, scenario. It, no. They've they've known for a while. I don't know, but I do know that, that I believe Phil, Phil's daughter's been you know participating at that event. So for the years. city of Indianapolis and um, Jim Irsay and the people of Lucas Oil Field it's booked. Um, said no, we don't want the AFC Championship game. We're going to be loyal to the volleyball sand people. Okay, I respect it. I'm just saying. Well, I don't That's think they're extremely I, loyal. I do think it's safe to say there's no sand involved here. I think they're they're just. You think it's a beach volleyball, volleyball staged I, inside the? I don't know. I don't think about what this is. I don't know. Maybe. Do you guys know? <laughs> I mean, I, I know I, that volleyball's played indoors all yeah, over. I don't think it's over. sand. If you were in the Midwest, they can open where can roof, you? Though. Where do you get a chance to play beach volleyball? You don't live in the Midwest if you want to do that. You, you live somewhere else. Maybe there's a culture within the Midwest of people that have always. Dream maybe by by a, a lakeside in the summer, but not in in January. I'm just saying, if you, if you take a backhoe and, and truck in some sand, you're asking, you could probably make a lot of dreams come true. You're asking in the too much for just a midwestern pay. civilian. We've paid no attention to call this me game. a nihilist. I'm a dreamer, is what I am. <laughs> uh, in this, this game, uh, <laughs> like I was hoping this wouldn't be that good of a game because you know I, I didn't want to give my whole weekend to the NFL. I thought I'll catch up to this at the end. Oh, you liked how this started, then, Greg. And yeah, this thing was what we thought it might be, which is the Chiefs this walk perfect, to this. Actually. Vic, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. I think the Chiefs have to feel good that they've been getting pass rush over the last month. Now, some of that could be opponent related, but man, Chris Jones had one of the best games any defensive lineman had all season. Six QB hats, uh, QB hits in one game, but Carloftis and, Dun- and Dunlop uh, since week 
14, their fifth in pressure rate. Before that, they were 26. So their defensive line's been getting after it. Mahomes kind of put the cherry, I think, on his MVP case. To me, there's not much reason uh, to go against them. And I think this game was kind of a reminder how they've done it differently. They're doing it with two tight ends and a lot of plays under center. And, you know, throwing the ball shorter. His average depth of target is shorter. Like, it's a different Mahomes. You get the spectacular plays, but it's a different type of Chiefs offense. That's who they've been. It's a different offense. You're right, because it's been very running back, tight end centric, a a huge chunk, a higher percentage than any of his career seasons of his touchdown passes have been short touchdown passes to running backs and tight ends. And you see it. Uh, They're a great red zone team. They are. They've been good. Like, their defense, to your point, like, pressured Stidham at on 45.2 of his dropbacks, their highest rate for the Chiefs in three seasons. I wanted to see if Stidham could come back and do what he did last week against a great Niners defense, and it didn't even come close to happening. I mean, that's fine. It was, I thought was he your, played well, though. He's fine, I but I mean, it. last week was like a magical performance. Like, is he Brock Purdy? Like, did they clone Brock Purdy and make, turn him into Jared Stidham? They did not. Look but, at it this way, Mark. The first Super Bowl we ever went to was at Lucas Oil Stadium. Yeah? It was Indianapolis. They got the bid because of the new stadium. I remember that week. And it was a great – they got beautiful weather. Um, that was 46, so Greggy's blocked it out um, because of the uh, outcome of the game itself. But I don't know if the Colts get another Super Bowl. This is your chance as a city to get something that could be better than the Super Bowl because it's the two best teams. You say it yourself, Greggy. Yeah, but you I can get the two best teams in football in your city for a huge game, and instead you're going to have the Central Zone Invitational – uh, in the building. It just do, like it It's does, not too late to make a couple phone it calls. It does seem like you could send the Central Zone volleyball um, operation to a different indoor facility. It well, does we, feel possible. We know, um, you know, Phil Wesseling, I, I believe his daughter's been playing at this tournament in the past. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's thinking, there ain't going to be a Bills Chiefs AFC championship. Okay. I see where you're going with that. But good job. Greg just blew my left eardrum out. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Stidham was so, uh, is very athletic. I think he'll get a, a backup job because of that. I think he, he played quite well in this game o- overall. And I he do sort think... of is already a backup. Right. He does I, have that job. Well, he's a free agent. Well, it, it's wide open. I, I He showed way more than I would have ever expected in these two games. Just like last week alone would get you like no his further. Job. I had no clue that he was that he could run as well as he could or that he, he had the arm that he could. And uh, I, I did have a clue. Kadarius Tony could be this good, but I think it's mm, pretty shifty. telling, man, how powerful and mm-hmm. shifty he is going into the playoffs. What a big deal. And also be. the best play in this game that didn't count was the Chiefs in their huddle doing the ring around the rosy with their arms around each other like swirling around, then coming out of it like a mm. hurricane into a bizarre position that wound mm-hmm. up as a trick play with Co- Tony scoring. Touchdown. It got reversed by a flag, but then he scored on the next play. I think it's almost he's like mm-hmm. their secret weapon. They gave up like a third-round compensatory pick for him. Like, What do you think Mark Davis and Charles Woodson talk about? I feel like it's not the first time we've seen them just pounding around. He's always there. The it's always suite. Woodson there. Yeah, I don't know. Raiders do think, history. Do you think they have like a, a real friendship? Well, like I they're th- buds? I think it's a... It's one of those friendships that's by, you know. I think they're talking ball. I mean, you could say a lot about Mark Davis. You think he's asking him, like, who should be my quarterback next year? Well, I mean, maybe the- a little bit of that, but more just talking about the game in front of him. That guy's a football guy, if nothing mm-hmm. else. He's the son of the ultimate football guy. He's been, you know, watch football every day of his life. I think they're just talking ball. Got it. Our I'm friend Bert Breer did put out a report this morning that the Raiders are considering Jimmy Garoppolo obvious ties to sure. Josh McDaniels as their lead man next season. We'll, we'll get – thank you for bringing that up. We'll get into it. 
um, later on in the week or whatever. But like, is that an upgrade over Derek Carr? I, I think it's almost like what's going on over apples there? and apples. But yeah. Yes, Justin. Before we take a break. Uh, before the break, I forgot to do this for the last game. Oh. Wow. Oh, uh, you know what? He's again showing he's a man of principle yeah, and integrity. He he actually he acknowledged that he ignored the concept of bongos a while back. Right. And in this same situation, now he's gone bongos and right. he's gone. I'll remind mm-hmm. you that I lost mm-hmm. my long. Right. And like uh, it says a lot about his growth lo- as a person. He kind of lost everything. And yeah. uh, yours was in a more dramatic way, but I did the same thing the previous week. You get behind your team and you kind of tr- try to put that positive energy. It just doesn't work out sometimes. Right. No. Got to detach. That's and, I, okay. and I love the integrity, but I love like execution even better. So we do oh. want to get that with the game, right? You know, if right. possible. Yes, for the next lock, I will remember during well, the game. Gravedigger is the only person attached to us that gave Christmas gifts. We didn't give them anyone. He gave nice Ooh. little uh, Guinness flavored chocolates, had nice. infused with Guinness beer. Wonderful gift. Very nice. Very thoughtful. Had one. Kind day. of a wild thing to pick. I, think I was trying well, to. I, I texted sure her and said, "What made you think thing, to, but, yeah. to do that?" And they said, hey, listen, it looked interesting. And yeah, I know Mark likes beer. And I was like, yeah, yeah that's true. <laughs> I was wondering if I alone got that gift and you guys got like rose scented, you know, bathroom spray or something. Uh, gross. All right, let's uh, take a break. We'll be right back. You go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. All right. Um, before we welcome in our buddy Nick Shook for the last time this season, uh, we should clarify that, Greg, you and I had a deep <laughs> locked the Jaguars. Really glad we're going back to yeah. settle this. We got to clean you that ju- up. You just you just pointed fingers at Graver for not you know yes. in, a, in a clean way. Yeah, yes. it's like sloppier than Patriots special teams right now. We yes, have bad. to clean it up, or heads are going to roll. Very ugly DVOA for your professionalism. All right, let's now uh, check in with the other team that played on that fateful Monday night in Cincinnati, the Bengals, who were looking to finish the regular season on high, even though they are peeved about the league's rule changes ahead of the playoffs. Brown's going to throw from the Finish. end zone. Oh. Hit and brought down. Throws the ball. Oh. The ball comes out. Recovered for a touchdown. The Bengals knock it away. Trey Hendrickson stripped it away from Anthony Brown, and it's recovered in the end zone for a Cincinnati touchdown. That's what you call taking care of business. Dan Horde, Dave Lapham. With the call, the Cincinnati Bengals jumped out ahead early on the Ravens and kind of coasted from there. 27-16, to 16, Joe Burrow threw for a touchdown. Joe Mixon ran for another and uh, pulled a coin out from his sock and then flipped it in the air to mock the NFL's decision to potentially decide a playoff game if it were to happen with the Ravens by a coin flip for home field. That's not happening because Cincinnati took care of business. They are 12-4, and four, Baltimore 10-7. and seven. Nick Shook, the pipe is here. I'm here. I'm here to flex in representation of the Bengals who turned away all the 
criticism and all the consternation regarding the coin flip and said, you know what, we're going to go out, we're going to take care of business do it. as a playoff team and a title contending team should do. It wasn't the prettiest game, guys. Now, they jumped all over them early thanks to those takeaways. They really should send the Ravens a gift basket provided they don't run into them again in the postseason, which we'll see, uh, because they did them a huge favor by playing their third-string quarterback this week and protecting Tyler Huntley in the event that he has to play in the playoffs. Anthony Brown, well, uh, probably a nice kid, Oregon product, clearly not suited for a game of this magnitude. Two very ugly interceptions early. You saw the strip sack recovered for a touchdown there. That was the Bengals' route to victory. They jumped all over and put 21 points on the board from those takeaways. They go into the half with a 24-7 to lead. And that was pretty much all she wrote because the second half, they didn't even break 100 yards offense. That's something mm. that they need to figure out going forward. They got to figure out what the Ravens did defensively that shut them down. They missed some opportunities. Joe Burrow had Jamar Chase open for a touchdown, underthrew him a little bit. There was a couple of long passes that didn't get completed that could have gone for big gains and potentially touchdowns. They don't look quite as strong as they have for the last two months, but coming off of what they dealt with last week, I can understand that. And all in all, they got the job done. They secured the home game going into next weekend. That's all that really matters to them. And we can leave the... The change in the coin purse. Go spend it on parking because you don't have to spend mm. it or use a quarter to flip it to figure out where you're playing next. Well, week. I think it will that. be fine for that number one. Uh, although that's you know when you talk about these players' salaries, not a right. huge issue. I also uh, use like a, a card now to pay for parking. I don't even use. Coins I normally do well, too. Uh, yeah, it's because you live in L.A. Yeah. Well, oh, it's sorry. it's instructed of us, but I mean, yeah, the class Bengals, warfare. They, Humble brag. They were messy down the stretch, Chuck, and I think it said a lot about the Ravens. They had one drive of their last 10 that went over 12 yards, and it kind of looked like it. there were these big misconnections. The biggest concern for me, because I'm not really – I just kind of this week 18 stuff, I'm willing to let it blow away, but Alex Kappa was carted off the field with a left ankle. You already have Lyle Collins out. That's your enti- the entire right side of your line. This is what happened to him last year when they were trying to you know say, keep Joe Burrow upright. So that's a, that just is a lingering concern for me. But I really thought it, at least it showed their defense, which were turnover ball hawks last January, that they could do it again today. And they, they, they preyed on a quarterback that was not ready for prime time. But this Ravens team in general, I mean, Rappaport reported this morning that it is completely, essentially he said that no one truly knows if Lamar Jackson will be ready for the wild card matchup. And it just seems like it's trending in the direction of like, are we going to see him again this season? And if we don't, and you get this or Tyler Huntley next week, I love Cincinnati's chances. You know, right. our friend Peter Schrager, he was on Bill Simmons' football podcast, uh, and I happened to catch on Twitter. They had a conversation about this, and you know Schrager's plugged in as anybody. And he didn't report directly that it was something he was hearing from the Ravens, but he certainly, in the conversation that he was having about the subject of Lamar Jackson and his continuing absence, kind of let it hang out there that, there might be more to this potentially it just feels like than it. just an injury with his uncertain financial future. And I just thought it was notable coming from Schrager the way he, you know, had that conversation. Interesting thought. It, it is fascinating. It also is weird to look at the different reports about whether Lamar is going to play next week or that they're feeling confident or they're not feeling confident. And it like changes depending on which reporter you listen to and what time of the day and which day it is. But to me, actions speak louder. The Ravens knew the most likely outcome here was they were going to lose this game with a backup and that they were going to go back to Cincinnati next week. That's exactly what's happening. They ended up sitting some of their starters. Mark Andrews. Including Huntley, who is the key one Mm -hmm. that they really didn't want to lose if they don't have Lamar. To me, you wouldn't sit Huntley 
if you felt like you needed this game or if that you're confident Lamar. It's it's an awkward Week 18 thing. I hate this when they play each other twice in a row. I think the Bengals, if I had to pick, might be the best team in the NFL. And yet, I think this is an awkward matchup next week for them. It's a division matchup, a very good defense, one of the only defenses in the league, if healthy, shook that I think can hold down Cincinnati's offense and just ugly it up, especially if they can get any quarterback play. Yeah, you saw an example of that today. I mean, like I said, in the second half, they couldn't break 100 yards. I mean, their offense went from being fairly high-powered, the same offense we've seen for most of the second half of the season, to one that was borderline anemic. Joe Burrow just didn't quite look comfortable. Joe Mixon's stat line doesn't reflect a game that you'd be proud of. And they've shifted a while ago. They shifted toward this pass-heavy offense that incorporated the running back in the passing game a little bit, but you couldn't really rely on the run game that constantly or that consistently. If you were in this situation for four quarters next week, you talk about ugly in a game up. We get an ugly playoff game where the Bengals suddenly find themselves in a situation where they got to go down and try and kick a game-winning field goal if it's you know that close. I could very much see that happening because if Huntley's in the lineup, he gives them a better chance to match them offensively or at least come close enough, closer than Anthony Brown could. They because, averaged four like, yards per play today, Shooky. Yeah, that's yeah, they crazy. fell behind early too. That's crazy. So like they, they got to sit on that lead. There's no guarantee that you're going to go sit on that lead in a playoff game next week. So yeah, definitely a little bit concerned about them. But I agree with you. Might be the best team in the NFL when all things are running correctly. They just did in the second half. I don't think you're getting two weeks of this from the Bengals in a row. The line issue concerns me, but if Tyler Huntley played today and did not turn the ball over and they still just did what they've done under Tyler Huntley, which is be a very unimpressive to the eye offense in terms of production, like this game is very close and goes down to the final minutes. It was the turnovers that set them up for these quick scores. They weren't moving the ball. One more week of the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, The hay is almost in the barn and we can move on (laughs) as a football world. Hey, before we go uh, to the next game, Shooky, um, as I said earlier in the show, this feels like the Bills are a great team and a great story and it just feels like this could be their year. But Cincinnati is a great story too and they have a great team and they have also, like the Bills, a tremendous quarterback who uh, believes in his team and believes in himself. He was asked... Uh, after the game, while wearing a giant uh, white turtleneck and looking like a cooler Kevin McAllister from Home Alone, um, mm. he, he was asked uh, about the idea of a Cincinnati Bengals Super Bowl window. The window's my whole career, and, and everybody that that we have in that locker room, all the coaches we have, you know, things are going to change year to year, but uh, our window's always open. He's good with these quotes. He That's has... not my quarterback, but I wish it was. Yeah, I know. Every couple of weeks, he <laughs> drops a, a verbal dime like that. Mm-hmm. And Guys, in addition it's... to the physical dimes on the on the in gridiron. Addition, in addition yeah. to those, in addition. Shook. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, is '90s fashion completely back? Because it's back. I got some serious flashbacks there. You know, I we, mean, it, it is in Ohio. I'd say. <laughs> It just got there. No, there, we've reached a tipping point uh, in this uh, the nostalgia culture right now. Uh, when New York Times is doing a profile on uh, the kids of today are now using digital cameras that they're finding in their mom's like and dad's drawers and mm-hmm. because they prefer that to using their phones. There, it's we're, we're reaching we're a saturation point of uh, that's cute of nostalgia, but I guess every generation hits that. So whatever. Old Good man. luck finding new digital tapes when you run out of the one that you're using that was in the camera to begin with in your mom's closet. <laughs> Just a warning SD signal. cards. Yeah. Let's head to Heinz Field where uh, Mike Tomlin was looking to keep up one of the most impressive streaks in professional football. Pickett throws it down the middle. Touchdown, George Pickens. Pickett to Pickens from 31 out. And the Steelers in position to tie it up. This is what makes a quarterback 
on the edge of becoming a great quarterback. Oh, look at that. That's Craig Wolfley saying that Kenny Pickett is on the edge of becoming a great quarterback. Now, you may or may not agree with Wolfley and Bill Hillgrove of WDVE, but those are the vibes around the Pittsburgh Steelers after a season-ending 28-14 win over the Browns. The Jets losing again cost the Steelers a playoff spot. It's the Dolphins that take that seventh seed, but Shook, incredible way for it to them to wrap their season. And, yes, for Mike Tomlin, he keeps that incredible streak of over 500 seasons. They finish 9-8. and eight. Hey, this is the rebuilding year. This was supposed to be the transitional year for the Steelers. The first year without Ben Roethlisberger. The year that everything just fell apart, except they go 9-8. and eight. He stays above 500 in the season. He finishes there. Kenny Pickett is clearly the best quarterback on the roster. I'm not going to say he's on the edge of being a great quarterback because there's still a lot of things he's got to work on. But you see the glimpses. You see the decisiveness. You see the 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 fact that he's comfortable in the pocket and he knows what to do when he's under pressure. Let's think about this, guys. They finished with a little bit over 300 yards offense, 337, 9 of 15 on third down, yet Kenny Pickett finished with under 200 passing yards and completed just 13 passes. Do you know why they converted those third downs? Because Kenny Pickett extended the play and found his guys there you over go, and over Shookie. again. It's not the stuff that, you know, it's not the in-between stuff where he overthrows a guy or he misses a guy or somebody drops a pass, Deontay Johnson, Connor Hayward, a couple of those today. It's the stuff in the key downs. And that's what excites me about him. I'm not, like I said, I'm not going to say he's on the edge of being a great quarterback, but he's exciting. Also exciting, George Pickens. He had just three catches today, 72 yards in that touchdown that we just played on that highlight. That is a pairing that I cannot wait to see where they go because you, it's clear they already have that connection. They're just starting to work on those back shoulder fades down the sideline. And George Pickens, as we all know at this point, is a freak of nature. If Kenny Pickett continues to develop at the speed he's at right now and Pickens continues to, to rise up and get better over the years, man, we're, they're, the AFC North better watch out. That's going to be quite a duo for years to come. So it's a really triumphant way for them to end the season, a season that nobody expected anything out of them. They avoid finishing in the cellar. They finish above 500, and they got a lot to be excited. They also have some things they need to address in the offseason. But, man, an organization that really knows how to keep things stable, even when it looks like everything's against them. It's a very Browns-esque end of the season. I feel like they've lost to the Steelers in week 17 slash 18, like 47 times. <laughs> uh, but it's a very Steelers-esque end because – it sort of, to me, reminds me of what happened in Jacksonville a little bit, where you started off with an offense that just looked completely lost at sea. Here we are today. You found a quarterback. You found weapons around him. An offensive line that was in tatters in the summer. They're not perfect, but they were competent. The running game grew. Najee Harris turned into something better than we thought. All these little pieces, and they're all in the same contract, essentially, together. And you still have one of the best coaching staffs in the league that never that refused to die this season on any level. I love the Mike Tomlin like situation. I know there are some Steelers fans that in the past, like, we need this guy out of here. He can't get us over the hump. I'll what? take Mike. T there have been that from Steelers what? fans. What? Absolutely. What? what hit me? Uh, I would digger. take Tomlin over literally almost every what? coach in the league what? outside of Belichick. What? 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 That sounds 16. in real time like Greg does not agree, but I think you have to say Greg, I, that Mike I, Tomlin is I, just I a 100% agree. straight non-losing Unbelievable coach. And they, multiple Super Bowls. They should be the playoff team. The playoffs would be more fun with him in it. They're 7-2 and two in their last nine games. I, I've always thought it's a little underrated to – End your season with a win because, like, all the teams that make the playoffs don't get to do that except except for one. 
and the Steelers weren't going to win the Super oh, Bowl. Oh, Greggy. I'm just saying the Steelers weren't going to win the Super Bowl. <laughs> they were going to probably lose next week to the Bills. To, to, to just end the season on a four-game winning streak and like, oh, we got robbed by what happened and stuff, that feels great. I know they would have rather go watch a playoff game. No, but those like, good vibes. You're right. It's a huge like, success. Yeah, it's fun. Yeah. The season is, for what it was and what it was expected to be and what it seemed like it was going to be in October, a huge success and a lot of reasons uh, for optimism. Uh, speaking of reasons for optimism, Shoki, you are a uh, lifelong Browns fan. We talked about it on the Thursday podcast pe- podcast a little bit. Deshaun Watson and his underwhelming start to his Browns career and, and whether there was any reason for concern. Uh, what were your thoughts about his performance in this game and in general the six starts or whatever he made uh, this season? Five starts. Uh, I, I mean, I'm not concerned necessarily with his play. I, I am concerned about the fit with the coaching staff, whether they know how to properly use his talents, because he's kind of shaken off a little bit of the rust with each week. He's not back to where he was still, but you see glimpses of it. Today, he had no time to throw all day. Pittsburgh's defense, which was supposed to be their strength all year and wasn't for a good portion of it, but is very opportunistic, got after him. Seven sacks, could have had 10, maybe even 12 as a team because he Whoa. escaped four or five of them on his own. I mean, he's doing everything possible. He made a couple of bad throws. He also holds the ball forever. For sure. Like Some of yes. those sacks I thought were on him. Sacks are a QB stat. And to me, that's been the number one problem he's had the last six weeks is he's holding the ball kind of like a rookie quarterback. And he, he's yeah. always been a little bit like that but you haven't Mm -hmm. seen this spectacular plays uh to kind of offset that well i mean greg you can even go back to his time in houston years ago my biggest issue was him with the fact that he'd run out of clean pockets that was not the case today but that was his issue for a long time so that's where i go to with the fit i don't know if necessarily this offense is really Mm. fit for him if kevin stefanski in the way that it's set up Mm. i'm telling you they're going to make a change at defensive corner i think they have to at this point based on how they've played for the majority of the season i'm not saying he's going to get fired but i understand that Kevin Stefanski should be under fire for the way that this team performed this year, especially in key moments. He looked like he just didn't have a good grasp on game management. And I'm just really curious, a little bit concerned about how they proceed from here with him and Watson as a pairing. It shows you because, I mean, this was a coach of the year a couple of years ago. Everything looked like sky is the limit. They've beaten the Steelers in the playoffs. And where they are now, I mean, I think a lot of this can be put on Stefanski. Obviously, I think Joe Woods is history, but... In-house, I wonder what, if they wonder what you're wondering. Is Stefanski and his scheme the right fit for, unfortunately, this massive investment that we've made? And it's like he's gonna, that investment has power over the coaching staff. Well, Jimmy Haslam took over uh, Brown's ownership 10 years ago now, so the length of this podcast. What a 10 years it's been. He's, the <laughs> team is 54-106-1 since then. That's the second worst uh, Mark in the league. I wish I knew who the worst was. I'm guessing the Jaguars. Probably my team. Um, and, and Mark, uh, one last thought. You are the number one Bernie Kozar supporter. He is, in some ways, your surrogate father. Uh, your thoughts on him being dismissed from the team's radio broadcast team on Sunday. Earlier in the week, he placed a bet on the Browns to win the game. Well, did he I, talk about it or something? Or I don't no? know, but I just want to give don't you the think floor, he did, Mark. But uh, I, I think it's unfortunate. Um, you know, you're a, essentially a, an NFL league employee when you're operating out of that and can be seen that way. And you break a clear league policy. We all, we all know about that. I did find it interesting that it was reported that he bet 19,000, which is his, his number, of course, his jersey on the Browns yeah, to win. You can't so, tell me that Bernie has that much money floating around that he should be making. That well, he doesn't now place. after not winning that. Oh, Bernie. 
But I, I, you know yeah. what? Bernie Kozar, I love Bernie Kozar, and I also locked this game up. In honor of and Bernie And I locked Kozar. it up for Bernie. I there love you Bernie. Go. So you and kind of on the same... Oh, no, he was picking <laughs> the Browns, so you weren't on the same page. That's good. No. We don't know whether he... Did he wager on the Browns, or do we just know he wagered on the game? On the Browns oh, on the to Browns. beat the Steelers. $19,000. Well, his decision-making, by, maybe not yeah. always sound, By the way, the Jaguars the good place. were the worst team over the last 10 oh, years. Good. Former researcher and now seven foot nine producer Drew Christensen has confirmed to me. He can't let go, Drew, by the way. I emailed the research team privately um, earlier today to get some information. And then he comes in on my uh, IM client saying, oh, like, uh-oh. hey, dummy, you should have known this or, or something like that. I'm like, bro, you got to let go. You're not in the research uh, department anymore and I could keep talking about Drew right now yeah because he never talks no so, he's not you know you can like, say anything get you a want. camera on him like all eight foot four of them he's just gonna just you know stew and maybe squash me after the show anyway it's happened before that there he is Drew do you have anything <laughs> to say this is your chance it's week 18 to finally clap back at the bozos on this side of the glass Motionless and silent. You know what's good, though? If it ever comes down to it and it's like uh, on air versus behind the glass uh, showdown, we've got Shook on our team to take oh, down. We got Drew. the pipe. Yeah. And, and the nice transition there, Greggy. The, the pipe all season, and it's it's been a few years now, you've been awesome and a great asset for us, helping to cover all these Sunday games. Uh, so as another regular season comes to a close, we uh, sincerely thank you, sir. Uh, I think you're getting better every year you do this. And uh, you're a stud, buddy. So thank you very much. Thank you. Uh, you know what? My parting words will be this. Um, <laughs> I, as a league employee, I do not condone betting on games. However, if oh. my life depended on it, I would always bet on you guys. Oh, oh okay. Well, Good now idea. you're fired, but I'm glad. Thank <laughs> you. <laughs> it's pretty clearly laid out in the in the guidelines. But Shooky, thank you very much, buddy. Have a great night. Get a lift in. I love you also. And um, <laughs> Thanks, guys. Yes, Thanks, Chuck. We love you. All right, we'll be right back after this. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. All right, welcome back. Let's head uh, to Denver uh, for a AFC West matchup that had nothing on the line, and yet people were talking <laughs> all throughout the contest. We'll tell you why. First this. Play fake. Russ rolls to his right. Throws the ball. Wide open receiver. Cortland Sutton. Touchdown, Denver. 20 yards, Russell Wilson to Cortland Sutton. Sutton's second touchdown reception of the season, and he was wide open. Miserable season for the Broncos. We all know that, but and there's Dave Logan, KOA. The fact that Russell Wilson showed a little bit of a pulse these last couple of weeks of the season. Everything's fixed. Um, well, I wouldn't go that far, but it's better than the opposite, where he finishes with eight touchdown passes or something. So maybe something, and you also get a win. 31-28 over the Chargers, and Russell Wilson had three touchdown passes in the game. Uh, Greggy, you watch this game, and what I was alluding to was 
The Chargers, uh, based on the Ravens-Bengals outcome earlier, were locked into the five seed. There was a thought that a lot of the starters wouldn't play. And not only did a lot of Chargers starters play, they played deep into the game, and one of their key players left on a cart. So a lot of criticism for the head coach, Brendan Staley. Yeah, Mike Williams has a back injury. Ian Rapport said x-rays were negative, that there'll be tests on Monday. It didn't look great, although Staley said in the post game that he could have maybe returned to the game, Mike Williams. Joey Bosa was also shaken up and then just didn't return, but that one didn't seem serious. The starters were pulled by Staley with the score 31 to 20 Broncos with 11 minutes left. That I'm counting starters as Herbert. But they weren't all the starters. I mean, Keenan Allen. 11 minutes left in the second quarter. In the fourth quarter. Oh, in the fourth quarter. So, in the game. Whoa. So they kind of got they got the worst of both worlds, which is they tried to win the game, but the Broncos and old Russ was putting it on them. Hey, look at that throw on the run to Judy. That's old Russ. So it was crazy. That throw you're talking about was part of a three-play, 75-yard touchdown drive with 25 seconds left in the first half. When that drive started, again, 25 seconds left in the first half, Russ had 14 passing yards. So it was the Russ of old. <laughs> okay. Well, and they were right. running the ball a little Important bit. Important context, Greg. The, Thank you. But the, but then he, he finished with 283 and three. He suddenly had bombs away. He had three of those beautiful Russell bombs. Hey, I'm Russell Wilson, and I throw a sexy deep ball. Uh, down the stretch of this game, and the Chargers defense, who were playing all their best players, kind of got steamrolled by Latavius Murray and Russell Wilson. So it, it all was strange, and so was Steely's explanation afterwards where he said – that you only have so many players with two only two practice squad elevations. Other playoff teams no, had to play that. their best players today as no, well. No, no, These no. aren't easy decisions. In hindsight, it's perfect for everyone to decide. No, no see, that's, that's like just not really that doesn't true. ride with me because you can't say things like every other playoff team was dealing with this and doing it the same way. It's like no, they weren't. We 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 the, saw all across the league that teams weren't doing that. The Giants played with, as we mentioned, like the two tight end personnel the whole game because they didn't want to play their wide receivers. Right. The one thing is because we, I think there's been a little bit of a pattern. We we kind of questioned the use of Herbert after he was hurt. Keenan Allen got put back in a little prematurely and got dinged up. And we've seen how different this how different this whole thing is when. Either Keenan Allen or Mike Williams are not available. And so this is a worst-case scenario if Mike Williams were ever not available next week. It's trending in a good direction. But I, I just – I you know, I get it. You're the coach. You can do whatever you want. Maybe the players are telling you, we want to play. I get all that. But it's like the only thing that matters when they started this game because they were locked in with where they were going to go is next week. Right. I, and I was, I was walking uh, through town uh, on Friday, and all of a sudden I hear a very familiar voice. And it just so happens – that Matt Money Smith uh, on his very popular uh, drive time radio show here in Los Angeles was doing a live show uh, from this place uh, called Rock and Brews. And mm, I, yeah. of course, I ducked in there and I, I chatted with Money and we were talking Chargers, of course, the former voice of God on this show and also the voice of the Chargers now. And he was he was optimistic, you know. The, the, he gets extra guap the deeper they go in the playoffs. Mo- that's his money for a reason. Right. So he he wants a deep playoff run for a lot of reasons. And he was saying, we're healthy. Like, this team has a chance. They're fine. And then I was talking – I was at a barbershop yesterday, and I was talking to George. <laughs> You're all over the place. At Jag's Barbershop in Westchester Man here in L.A. Town. And he is a huge Chargers fan, and we were having the conversation that they're healthy. He's like – but this is a star-crossed team. Something always seems to happen. And that's all I could think today while they're leaving these players in and Mike Williams is getting carded. Like, 
Be smart, Chargers. Don't let the football gods come for you. Don't give them extra chances. So ultimately, George, the salon man, knew more than Why Matt would he Money be a Smith. salon man? Well, just that haircut. It's a like, barber shop, The Mark. barber. He knew more than Matt Money Smith, the played-by-play Do you go man. to a salon? No. I, I mean, assuming a salon is typically <laughs> not somewhere for me. But a salon. <laughs> you also saw a broadcaster I enjoy very much in Petros on, in uh you did. I let I him know that you, you're a big I know, fan. I said, just let him know. I yeah. really love his style and what he does. And it sounded like his response was um, incredibly underwhelmed. Well, it was. And then it left me with a bad taste in my mouth on that text thread because it was just like you were kind of sticking it to me. I, it was, I know. That's. I, I worried when I saw your reply. I was like, oh, no, Mark took it a certain way. Well. I know you're a big fan. Petros and Money, again, the big drive time team here <laughs> on uh, 570 AM radio here. Yeah. Um, for some reason, I felt compelled when I met him to almost immediately tell him that you were a huge fan. And I think I caught him off guard because why would this guy that he just met then be like, oh, my friend loves you? And he was like, oh, cool. So when I wrote, oh, cool, is what unusual, he said, yeah. um, you took it as like him being like, oh, cool. But well, that was never the tone. Over text, you cannot tell what the tone is. And the tone, the, ver- the, the verbiage was, you know, clipped. You know what my mom says? No good deed goes unpunished. I was just trying to do you a solid and look who catches fire ultimately. I Talk mean, I don't, I don't, I don't. Talk I, about I, sinking over this one. Suppose it was a good deed. Like, it, it, <laughs> did they have you on the show? Uh, no. You think I'm not going? I'm not talking to a mic. Your unless NFL Network's Dan Hansen. You you're at the thing, and they don't have you on. You, no, you've worked with Matt Money Smith for that's about hundreds LA of Sports hours. Radio. They had a Kings like defenseman on there. They were right. chopping things up. I have no idea have what's going on okay. in LA Sports. Uh, hey, uh, Gravedigger, you you were saying? Uh, sorry, I didn't mean to derail that very interesting conversation. <laughs> you didn't, don't worry. I'm, I'm sure it was. <laughs> Um, I just wanted to remind everyone, it feels like forever ago that Justin Herbert suffered that rib injury, and we were all wondering why Brandon Staley left him in the game as long as he did. It seems like he didn't learn from whatever happened earlier in this season mm, in this right, game. Right, the Keenan Allen situation. Well, it's, very, yeah, it's also weird because they're one of the teams that were at the forefront of like never play any players in the preseason. So I, I'm almost less concerned about... Uh, that he played everyone. That was really annoying. And, and if Mike Williams is you know, compromise next week, then that would be the biggest problem. But also, like, he wanted to, like, in theory, I think, keep the winning vibes going. That was the idea. And they lost the game to the Broncos. And it wasn't the backups that lost. It was the starters that lost. Fans of somewhat recent football history will remember the ultimate, and not to bring it up again, because now I'm going to talk about 42, Greg, and I'm not doing it on purpose. But the ultimate flex in this mode was when Tom Coughlin in Week 17 or Week 18, when the Patriots were going for the perfect season on New Year's Eve, um, the Giants were already locked into a wild card spot. Coughlin said, I'm playing everybody, and we're trying to knock off the undefeated Patriots in a very Tom Coughlin-type move. And they played this this gorgeous back-and-forth shootout that the Patriots held on for the win. But it did, really did, I think, and they talk about it now, and I think it was true. It, it kind of really elevated the Giants, not just through the NFC playoffs, but when they saw the Pats again in the Super Bowl, they felt confident. We could beat them. They're not unbeatable. But usually you just got to use common sense and be smarter about it. We're, I guess we're talking about it maybe a little too much because nothing but, that bad happened, but, but you it know was what? interesting. The, before Coughlin, Vince Lombardi did the same thing in a very critical situation at the end of a season and said it was one of his favorite days of coaching, one of his gr- greatest coaching mm. experiences to have his guys go out there when it didn't matter and to go do it anyways. They lost the game, but it's like 
I, oh, okay. Belichick did it on the regular. I mean, people yeah. lose their minds. I, I didn't just always, the results not sometimes. good. The results not good. Remember when Wes Welker blew out his knee right, in what, a meaningless right. uh, week 18. That that was uh, unfortunate. We should mention quickly, too, Sean Payton confirmed he spoke to Broncos' ownership uh, about the head coaching vacancy. He can't officially interview for the job for uh, another week and a half. Uh, because of league rules, because he's still under contract with the Saints. You have to wait until after the wild card round. What are they going to trade? Uh, they don't even have any first-round picks. Here's, well, they have future first-round picks. And Rap Sheet reported that conversations happened about the trade and that that part of the situation may already be settled, the trade part. So we'll see Man, if Sean Payton Sean gets Payton a better do? offer, we actually, but we'll see. We have Payton, who's been biding his time with Fox this year, obviously, uh, talking about the conversation with uh, the Broncos. Any team that would want to inquire or speak with me can do so. They just need permission from the Saints. Um, and then down the road, if that's something that materializes into anything else, then there would be compensation required, much like a player trade. Denver's the first team, and I was able to have uh, a conversation with their owner, and uh, that's kind of the protocol. So it would go team to the Saints, uh, and then – the interview process can't officially begin until the 17th of this month. Okay. So that's really where it's at. I mean, well, one word, leverage. Right. Yeah, this, and they, is, this is where we think Sean Payton wants to go. Well, right, we'll will see. he have other options? We'll find out. It actually occurred to me during this game, like, is Staley worried about Sean Payton? So he's still trying to win games because Sean Payton's made it awfully clear he wants that Chargers job. Mm-hmm. The, more in, the most interesting thing Sean Payton said uh, when he spoke to our Peter Schrager there on Fox was, Quarterback would not be the most important thing to him. Ownership and the GM and the structure, that's what matters to me. When I arrived in New Orleans, we didn't have a quarterback. He basically saying, I can make the quarterback thing work. I'm worried about the owner. And I, and you know, I, what do you owners know what? have? They have money. And what does Walmart have? All the money. All the money. And as bad as, like, we've talked about the Russell Wilson side of this and why it would make it messy for someone going there. But I think you could maybe even get out of that contract in another year if it, it ends up being terrible. He's if you're going to Denver as a head coach, you need you got to be a high uh, high quality guy with a resume to have some rope uh, be, to survive a potential bad Russell Wilson year too. It makes a little more sense. That's a great city, great fan base, great history, and new ownership. We don't know about them, but they got a ton of money they'll spend to make the Broncos Outside great Outside of the Russell Wilson contract, which you're right, I think at some point you make a decision. If it's not working, you move on. Everything else about the Denver Broncos, right. I think, would appeal to Sean Payton. Right, and he wants the coach, and I'm not sure other than possibly the Rams where he could have an opportunity. So, it, you know, let's see what happens there. All right, let's head to uh, the most amazing game that's ever been played. To Lucas Oil Stadium, the home of the Central Zone Invitational, later this month. Plug. Central now I'm just going to plug. Looking. He scrambles I'm sure out it's to an the amazing run. event. Got to get rid of it. Throws it to the end zone and caught it. Jordan Akins. My goodness. On fourth and 20. Oh, come Akins on. with the catch. My guy, Jordan Akins. So they're going to go for two. Here we go. Texans going for the Come deuce on. and the lead. Davis looking, throwing to the end zone. Oh. Caught and no. yes. Jordan Akins no. comes up big again. Wide open as the Texans grab no. a one-point lead with 50 seconds to go. What are you? That was one of the dumbest things. It I've... was so good. Or every Colts game of the last month. 
No, not even that. I mean, it's... Why did the Texans win this game? So you got Davis Mills doing that at the end. Mark Vandermeer with the call. K-I-L-T. Yeah, they got they convert a fourth and 20 for a touchdown. Go for two. Make it to beat the Colts. And Zach Kiefer was right. They had one win in them under Jeff Saturday, by the way. That is crazy. 32-31. And because the Texans have this incredible comeback win, and I guess... You know, the Colts made it happen by playing miserable, boneheaded defense in the final plays of the game. But, like, they don't pick number one anymore. They drop to the number two pick, and the Chicago Bears get the number one pick. It, it could be one of the more crushing developments for the Texans in many years when mm-hmm. you look back at it. Yep. It was delicious. I don't know why. I don't think they deserve any good luck the way they've handled everything, especially if they don't keep Lovey Smith, although we'll hear from Lovey in a second. But I just love these sort of insane Week 18 moments. And Davis Mills... He hit, win this game. He, he hit a 4th and 12 on the move to Brandon Cooks earlier in that drive. He was 4th and 20 under... Extreme pressure. This is Davis Mills. This is not Patrick Mahomes. He's rolling to his left, and he has two defensive linemen right on top of him, and then he throws across his body, and the Colts defender has the game. All he has to do is knock it down. Instead, he runs forward. What are you doing? Justin jumps up. It goes right through his arms into the waiting hands of knock it down. It was one of the moments of the season. It was the only moment of the season that I yelled out in the newsroom and screamed, probably annoying Mark well, from no. 50 feet no, away. No, you didn't annoy me, but I, it, to You're me— You're loyal to football. Like, Craig, that. I know that— it I, it, something. It's, an, it's amazing moments of athleticism, but— like, there aren't a lot of Texans fans that have their head on well, straight that are standing for, I also picked cheering. the Texans to win. I wanted that. Like, but, it that was but that's so great. Those are trifling <laughs> oh, items. Great. If there's, like, an Andrew Luck and no other quarterback in this draft, then it's meant to be a better draft. Like, the Texans, because of Davis Mills' late-game heroics, don't have the chance to pick the quarterback they want. It's, uh, this it, means it this game is utterly meaningless. It could reverberate for years for this organization, and I don't know enough. I got you know we got to talk to our Bryce buddies. Young's the consensus, yeah. but we'll see. We'll but it's see. Like, but we now you don't see. control that. This whole absurd he, Texans journey for two years should have con- right. ended with this. And to to Greg's point, and especially if you follow a team that can't get a quarterback for fifty years, they had Deshaun Watson, a generational talent that ended the way it ended to then fall into a potential another number one overall pick star, that would have kind of sneaky annoyed me and other teams Mm -hmm. that are in my position. Uh, So maybe I don't feel too terribly. And you also, like, I'm, like, just as a football fan, I'm thinking as a Texans fan. Right. That's why I'm so mad thinking about it. Uh, But the Texans and their players and their coaching staff, they know whatever is the next era of Texans football probably doesn't involve them. Like, so that's why the game played out the way it did. I mean, it makes me think about, like – the old movie Major League with Tom Berenger and Corbin Burnson and Charlie Sheen. It's like, was there some type of front office figure that was like, no, and like racing down to the field to try to stop this? But of course, nobody did, and I don't believe that happened. There's no, like... I'm not, I don't think anyone's saying, like, oh, Lovey Smith and the players should have tried to lose this, but I think that is where you create, just situationally, a chasm between your front office who had plans to do... The one thing that could happen is if Chicago holds on to that if they want to just they fall in love with someone then they're not taking a quarterback and maybe you're right back where you started but mm-hmm. they can also trade that the Texans also have Cleveland's first round pick so they have ammunition but it's just like come on you want to hear what Lovey Smith has to say about the draft I I would cuz I don't know how often we'll get to hear from him again depending on what they do okay this is the option that I had so you're saying hey guys playing this last game you know 
all that you've been working for all your life, you play to win, forget that, lose the game on purpose, I think that would be a hard one to get by. They wouldn't expect me to say that. I didn't. What we work each week, our game plan has been to win the game. It's kind of simple as that. And that's what we followed through on the day. Now, I'm, ultimately, I'm kind of I'm happy for Smith. If yeah. this is how he goes out, he doesn't let ownership have. We have one other thing from Levy. Okay, let's hear it. Do I expect to be back? Yeah, I expect to be back. Um, you know, absolutely. <laughs> it's like a dare, Greg. A dare also, you to bring well, back. he said he's been talking to ownership. Maybe that was a dare. I don't know if he's basing on that. The way that Ian Rapport, our national insider, remember when they changed the, that to his title? Did they change insider. it again? No, I think that's it. National insider. I mean, football. Tom He's the NFL Network insider. Couldn't they, you make him interna- international at this point? Yeah. It's an international sport. There's not. He's not dueling he's not, against. That's he, not his insider from Spain. His, his, his title's NFL Network insider. He reported. You know, they 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 that Lovey's future was very much in doubt. Over on Fox, Jay Glazer thought Nick Casario, the GM's future, might be in doubt. So we'll just see. We're, we'll we'll see what is going. We have developing here. news. Oh boy! Oh, developing Whoa. news. According to, I'm being told, Rapsheet's Twitter bio, National <laughs> Insider for NFL Network and NFL.com. I think that's new. I think that was tweaked somewhat recently. I'm going to do my digging. As uh, hmm. uh, the Zeus wait, isn't that what does. I said? Yeah. yeah, you were right. Yeah, okay. I'm, I'm, I want to do some digging and find out when that changed. I would just say you could go if you wanted to pull full power move. <laughs> yeah. You go Earth Insider. You're not dueling against um, in, NFL insiders ATA, from ATA, right. ATA, Africa or Germany. I'll be yeah, I'll be digging on this story. Just leave it at that. Was there something else? I, yeah. I just like that. You know, if they if they're sending them out, they don't deserve the to win this game. They don't deserve it. This. This franchise, I, I don't, you know. Remember, they were losing Deshaun Watson before anything happened either. He oh, wanted yeah. out of this franchise. And, and right, yeah, also right. keep down. in mind. I know you're very excited about this. The Colts don't want their division rival to get the number one pick mm, either. That's true, too. Very oh, nice. no, I think it was a savvy move by the right. Colts. It was a good job by the Colts. Graver, though, you still, uh, your prediction that uh, the Colts would finish in last place uh that didn't happen. True, but there's an argument to be made that Houston was a better team than Indy this year. They went 1-0-1 against them. I think only it's, finished it's with one the Colts better. are the worst team in this division. Was, I mean, what a disastrous end to this I season. I think the uh, – I believe the Texans went undefeated in their division. No. They went 3-13-1. 3-2-1, though, in the division, <laughs> Something which is like that. ridiculous. Yeah. Lovey Swift started the season going for a tie stat. and annoying everyone, and he ended the season going for the win with a two-point conversion. Who says there can't and, and, be personal growth? And annoying everyone. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Just talking about it. Now it's official. The Texans once again on the, in the market for a new head coach. Ian Rappaport and Mike Garofolo together reporting that the Texans have fired head coach Lovey Smith. Another one and done in Houston. So David Culley, given no chance in 2021 to build that program, fired, even though he kind of outperformed, uh, the team outperformed what they expected. Lovey Smith comes in, given no chance to build the operation, sticks it to the team out on the way out the door in week 18, and then is let go. So once again, um, Mark, the Texans will be on the lookout for a coach. They do have some positives now, of course, in terms of what the job they have. A, they already have, I think, a, a, an extra number one. Is that correct? Cleveland's for years to and come. And even though they, you know, blew the number one overall pick, they picked number two in this draft with a lot of cap space. 
but also a lot of dysfunction around that organization in recent years. Yeah, I think it's like you go – it reminds me of reading – like the various uh, biographies on Bill Belichick where he talks about when he left the whole Brown situation and was going to go to New England. It's like, just always think about ownership when you take a job. It's so important because if that shifts, you're probably going to lose it, but ownership creates culture and everything else. And like, you do have something to offer the, as the Texans. They're, they, they're loaded with draft picks. There's a couple of players on that roster that I think because of the Texans have been overlooked, young guys, and there's something to build off of. I think Lovey Smith showed down the stretch here, coaching them that they were playing teams tighter. They weren't just the joke they were all of last season and for the beginning of this. And in the end, it didn't matter. You just get canned. And it's like, what is the direction? Why did you hire Lovey Smith? Right. I, I get that it wasn't the most inspiring hire, but like, did you in your in the back of your mind, if you're the GM Nick Casario, if you're the owner Cal McNair, think you know what? We're probably just going to get through this season with. Davis Mills or whoever set ourselves up post Deshaun Watson to get these draft picks after we trade them and then get the coach we really want. It's just a sort of dirty business to me. Right. I, I can't remember an NFL head coach ever being hired where it felt like it was a short-term hire the minute they made it mm-hmm. in that it was, that the coaching search itself was a mess. Easterby was involved. Jock, uh, Josh McCown was involved. The whole Brian Flores um, suing the NFL felt like it was kind of involved and maybe pushed the McNairs. I, I just think it's embarrassing for Nick Casario, whether he wants to put it on ownership or not, that he hired Cully as the first thing he did as GM. He made it one year. Then he got to hire Lovey Smith. He made it one year. Most GMs never get to their third head coach. Right. If you hire two head coaches... And that's over. I'm thinking of like Thomas Dimitrov when he hired Mike Smith and Dan Quinn. That lasted, you know, 10, 15 years. But he's not getting to his third head coach. Casario would be the first GM in history to ever get to hire three head coaches in one year. And yes, you can say, well, the Watson thing happened. They didn't cover themselves in glory there either. Uh, and I, I, I don't know where to put the blame. I put it on the organization, but it's just like embarrassing. And I already see the fans being like, well, they shouldn't have hired Lovey and he's not the guy anyways. It's like, this was always the plan. It's like, that's what team like fans of bad teams say, yeah, like justify. Right. It's just things. like, yeah. I mean, and the reason it was one of the reasons why it's eyebrow raising is yes. Lovey Smith, who they elevated to take the job, um, is 64 years old. He came up, he did, you know, he had a bad run with Illinois, his previous head coaching experience in college. And it didn't seem like for a team that's young and trying to figure things out that you would hire an uh, older veteran coach. And in, in a lot of ways, it's yeah, that didn't make sense because none of this really makes sense. There is no real roadmap right now for the Texans. And I would be very wary if I am. a. And there are only 32 chairs, so there's always going to be a lot of interest in taking one of them. But I'd be very wary if I was a head coach going into that situation right now. Yeah. I don't care about the cap space and the draft picks. It's like, is that a functional operation, and do I want to be a part of well, it? Well, they interviewed Gannon, Jonathan Gannon, the Eagles defensive coordinator, twice last year, and supposedly he was a strong candidate, and there's been a lot of speculation that he might be the guy. Ian's already reporting that Gannon and 49ers defensive coordinator D'Amico Ryans, who who used to play for the Texans. Mm-hmm. What about Josh McCown? Yeah, I say McCown. I think now he's out a year now. later. I think now think that so? Easterby, yeah, because he was uh, th- that was the whole Easterby sources, and and he had McNair's ear. I think that was an Easterby. Thing. I mean, we can like you know, I don't. I remember a time when they didn't want us to talk Easterby a little bit here and there, but let's Ooh, let's, let's be real that like by removing that whole situation from what we know, like 
you can attract a different type of candidate potentially. Perhaps. And I do love that Lovey got that win on the way out. There. I love that. And I also love that he has three years remaining on his deal, well, which are guaranteed the, the great thing. money like, and dollars. So there you go. You don't have to. You don't have to go pound the pavement tomorrow for work. You're going to get paid well for the next. You know, thousand days. Don't cry for me, Lovey Smith. He's doing fine. He'll be fine. But he, rightfully, not, he's, he's like, a prideful person, though. So this is, sure. you know, but he, it's not, who's going to walk around viewing it as his fault? I don't know. Organist, bad team behavior. And that's just the start. That was a little teaser um, of New Horizons Monday. We'll be back on Tuesday mm-hmm. where we will recap all the madness that is coming up, uh, the fallout from uh, week 18, obviously a look ahead, a beginning of a look ahead to the playoffs, and of course seeing what's going on across the head coaching Mm. ranks. There's always a ton of turnover, Greggy. We've been doing it, like we said, for a decade now. It's crazy. We're going to handle this. We'll be on top of it. You follow around the NFL, you will understand what's happening around the NFL. That's a promise. Ten years. Uh, we're here in the Chris Wesleyan podcast studio. I was thinking of Chris when Naheem Hines made those plays. He was always a big Naheem Hines guy. Mm-hmm. He's like, why can't they get the ball more to Naheem Hines? We we miss Chris so much. It's the end of the tenth season. It's crazy. I had Graver listen to uh, our first week seventeen regular season mm. finale show to see if he could find any. Uh, good little nuggets. And he said, I was not even involved in that show because I was down and we, we still did find some, but I was not in the show because I was down in the newsroom doing something else. I can only imagine it was like coaching firings or something like that. It's I don't know. I then. literally wasn't even on the show. Yeah, it was a. Uh, it was <laughs> so a- did we still find a clip? We'll yes, I listened little, to an hour, egg. an hour long podcast from ten years ago today, and found a clip. Are we better why now? Are you putting our producer on that? Job? Just why not? On on the football Sunday itself. I should have told them earlier, but you know, you I know, just I, had the earbuds in while I was watching the games this afternoon. It's right, good, it's good stuff. It's good content. It was good. fun. I like good. staying in you know touch mm. with do our you think, old show. Yeah, like, uh, do you think that the three of us as broadcasters have improved in the ten years based on what you listen to? Yes, or have we declined? But, you could be honest. No, you. I mean, you've obviously yes, but. improved, but you were still like even back then. You could tell what superstars you were all going to be. See, that's why he's our producer <laughs> on the show itself. Who who do you think did the best job? You would just listen to the whole episodes. Like who uh, who was who shined the brightest? Wes. Okay, well, okay, I'll take answer. that. Cannot argue answer. with okay. that. It's still actually going to bother Mark. <laughs> no, it's when not. Head goes that's to one time it will not because I think it's also deadly accurate. When head goes to pillow, though. <laughs> See, I'll be heads going to pillow in about five minutes, so not a lot. I could just, I could hear Wes laughing <laughs> at Dan's uh, comments. Right it is. There. This is our hard to believe. Time flies, and and um, this is our second full regular season without Chris now. Uh, but he's still very much part of the show, and always will be. Love you, buddy, wherever you are. All right. The season's not over. The regular season's over. Oh yeah. 272 down. How many to go, Greggy? On the spot, a big spot. 13? Heed the call. <laughs> Let's see. You got five. You have five games of Wild Card Weekend. Four division. That's nine. Two championship. 11. Super Bowl. 12. Right? Wait, no. No, it's not Six. right there. Six this weekend. Six. Six. Yeah. Four, three, two, ten. one. Six, four. Six, four, two, one. Six, four, two, one. Six plus four, ten. Plus two, two plus one. Nailed it. 
Nice work. Oh, the Pro Bowl skills competition. Uh, Sorry. <laughs> 14. Right in front of me, Mark Sessler is wearing an extra large number 15 official Tim Tebow jersey tucked <laughs> into his jeans as per the terms of the bet. This is uh, hour. tied into the week 16 Browns Jets game. <laughs> Mark, you're a man of your word. Congratulations. <laughs> You uh, you put a clown suit on Mark. I didn't mean to. It was just a bet, you know. I, I would have been wearing a Whedon jersey, but Mark, thank you. Well, listen, and I, you know, I sit next to Wesling in the newsroom, and I see the look Wesley. of jealousy in his eye that I get to wear this for the first time ever. It was yours as a wedding gift. I had to pull the tag off of it. Yeah. It's, so it's not getting a lot of use by you. It's not jealousy. It's pity. Poor Mark. He's fine with wearing the jersey. He looks good. He's got a nice dress shirt on underneath. He's really <laughs> pulling off the look, contrary to expectations. But every sad sack in the building has to come up and ask him about it. Why are you wearing a Tim Tebow jersey? It has been slightly distracting. Uh, <laughs> see, that was worth the hour. I stand by it. Well, not my hour. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. 